Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here with uh, with Freak, which I am super excited for because I shared this anecdote with Freak about how I met him back in season two at a DreamHack event, and that that felt like such a real moment for me because you know I watch all the champion spotlights, I listen to Freak cast the whole uh, DreamHack and the World Championship season one. You know, Freak was was the big deal, you know, he's the man. And when I finally Used to met be, him, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. <laughs> Bro, your passion is is contagious. And I remember you. it, you know, that moment for me back in season two when I met you, it felt like I made it. You know, we were shit in the tournament, but it felt <laughs> like I, I, I made it somehow, you know, it felt like such a big moment in in my career. And uh, I, I wanted to share that with you, of course. Uh, I'm excited yes. to be speaking with you. You are working on the design team and you've been a part mm -hmm of the League of Legends scene since uh, the inception. Uh, on this beautiful day, how, how are you doing today, Freak? Let's start there. Doing well. Yeah, it's Saturday afternoon. I know it's super late for you. We're getting started. It's almost midnight already for you. <laughs> and you just you just did a five-hour co-stream of LEC and then an hour of um, here's where the teams went and lost and whatnot. So I know you're <laughs> you're on the end of a long day, but uh, I'm doing well, at least. That's cool. I, I wanted to ask you, now when you're working on the design team, our are the like work hours a lot more reasonable? Cause like when you're casting, you have to go like you, the Saturdays and everything is blocked off and everything all that crazy. Is it like more regular, more human, so to speak? <laughs> um, it's certainly more regular, I suppose. Uh, it, it's actually, I would say it's almost certainly more work. So um, for LCS, if you're a play, play caster, um, it's, it's not your job to like analyze scenes beforehand. And so my actual required duties, if I'm not filling in on the dive or some other shoot, mm. is there is a one and a half hour meeting to start the week mm. and then I cast. Um, and so, and those days are about three-ish hours on camera. Okay, you're there an hour too early. You, you leave pretty much as soon as you're done with the game. So like, I mean, on a whole, like of, of just strictly required work is like, 12 hours a week okay. um it's, it's not actually that busy of a job on like regular season and of course it's up to you like how much you're going to prep how much you want to do um you know the patch rundowns i've done for the last four years like mm -hmm. to me i consider part of my prep work and so you know it's not like i'm billing hours on it whatever but um like i would make sure i save the game that way play league uh you know watch other teams and whatnot so uh you know it's more that goes into it in general but here it's like oh i have a regular you know, 40 hour work week. I try not to stay late. I try to be pretty healthy about how much time I spend to it. Certainly, mm -hmm. if I wanted to work 80 hours a week, no one's going to stop me. And if I wanted to like get even more done, I could and spend more time iterating and, and thinking about stuff. But um, so I would say the work is harder mm -hmm. um, or at least more time consuming, at least during the regular season sort of um, frame of reference. But uh, I am I am excited at the same time to not have to like fly to berlin for five weeks to live in a hotel room to cast worlds <laughs> um like the, the the i i i enjoyed the travel a lot more when we were actually on location and we were all going somewhere and so um even if it was like so for example going to like paris or something like that it's, it's gonna have a better sort of tourist environment than going to like wuhan right um mm. and and so it's like okay well some of those trips are gonna be tougher and something could be easier um, but since we're not the local language, um, in most countries that we do MSI and worlds for, um, we cast with the LEC studio instead. Yes, yes. Um, and like medic and Betty's and co they're, they're at home. They, they live there already. <laughs> so like it's, they're at home. And then here's me and Azale and Kobe and co and we're flying in and we're like an hour away from them. So hanging out's really tough. Um, and you know, then we like taxi in for 45 minutes to go cast games. So 
Um, not having to do that is something I'm looking forward to. Um, <laughs> that that you know, it's just it's it's a little annoying, right? But it's only a you know a few weeks out of the year. Uh, but yeah, it's actually it's actually more hours though. I think it's more work um, on like a regular cadence though. Okay, okay, I see. And I and I imagine. I imagine as well, like generally speaking, like I, I can see from how you talk about the game that you love the game. So I, I, mm-hmm. I guess just naturally you're just getting more information by just playing the game, right? Because yeah. I think that's yeah, also important when you're working with the game. I, I, I feel like almost borderline you can notice in terms of how some casters develop if they're actively playing the game and engaging with the game and when mm-hmm. they're not. I, I, I can see that kind of progression. I think it's it's super important to kind of just consume the game uh, at, at an all-time basis. I can also relate completely. When I was back at uh, Worlds, I remember 2015, and I was staying at this Best Western that was right next to an IHOP, and I was staying there for four weeks, and the analyst yep. desk was in yep. North America, and then all the castles mm-hmm. were in Europe. Uh, it was fun because it was just a new experience, but uh, definitely staying at the Best yep. Western at some point, you know, just trying to work with the Wi-Fi on the hotel was, was, was definitely yep. a, a rough one. Could you, yeah, for sure. Could, could you break down how a kind of a, a week looks like uh, in, in the day of, uh, like a, sure. in the life of a, a, a game designer? Yeah, sure. So first thing I'm going to say is um, it sort of works in alternating weeks in a sense because, right, we patch every two weeks. Um, the way that like agile software development is structured is in two-week sprints. Okay. Um, and so, for example, like I'm going to come to work on Monday. And uh, so so I'll take a step back first. Um, every morning and every evening, there's playtests. So ideally, it's 10 playtests a week, which is, you know, that's 10 hours of your 40-hour work week, mm-hmm. is um, a playtest at 10.30 a.m., uh, which then turns into discussion and then lunch, and a playtest at, like, 5 p.m., which is going to turn into, like, a little bit of minor work done and then go to dinner. Um, and and that's like, okay, you know, who has who has changes coming in? Uh, for champion designers, it's, you know, get the newest iteration of their champion. Um, if we're playtesting any new modes or whatnot going on, or if there's some kind of ARM systems changes, like the modes team will do their own stuff, champions team will do their stuff, sometimes there's crossover and whatnot. Um, but, you know, instantly 10 hours a week is in playtesting. And so, like, for example, uh, I just checked in uh, some severe nerfs and thresh buffs uh, on Friday evening. And so okay. on Monday, we're going to work and I'm hey, uh, I want tests on both severe and thresh. Um, I am t- probably at some point taking on a slightly longer project on Rumble. Uh, getting him less mid lane skewed and probably bring back Rumble Jungle. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's going to be a really big change. That's going to require like a full patchwork of, of like playtesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not going to be 13 4, maybe 13 5, but like, you know, that kind of stuff is like, well, we need a lot of reps on it. Um, and so um, everybody has to playtest it basically. Um, so, okay, we're going to come on Monday. And other than the playtest meeting uh, or the playtest in general, uh, we're going to meet for a meeting called State of the Game, which is every two weeks on Monday. And it's like, okay, 13 uh, 3 has been live for a bit um what like what stands out like what did we hit what did we miss um for example um i nerfed cassidy in the 13.3 uh mm-hmm. because we looked at the data for 13 like, this wasn't enough his banner is still very high his banner is still very high we should go again at cassidy um and so we nerfed him twice in a row because the first things was good and it certainly made um uh movement um we decided to go again and go harder um, and so it's like, okay, what happened? Uh, I need to rebuff Alistair. My changes from 13.3 actually ended up lowering his win rate. So um, I grabbed some Alistair changes. Like that would have been a state of the game. Otherwise, if I wasn't proactive about it. Um, and so that's like that's like short iteration um, because also keep in mind that um, we're going to lock that patch 13.4 on Wednesday. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the patch will on Thursday. Uh, we get like five days in the weekend for like data collection. And then we make like quick calls of like, low scope, low tested complexity, high confidence, 
Like, just change three numbers in an obvious direction, and then th that's your change. Like, don't, you know, l low risk being the operative point here um, of, like, that's what Monday is right before the patch. And then we lock our changes within the next few days, and then in a week and a half, you know, 13.4 will come out with some more changes. Um, okay, so Monday and Tuesday are a lot of sort of like that meeting then and then it running out of those like that's it's, it's called state of the game okay. um, and it's it's yeah get get quick reaction stuff in um, over the course of time. So, th so then what's going to happen afterwards is once we lock 13 four, uh, which is going to be on Wednesday, um, we're going to have sprint planning. And so sprint planning is like, hey, what are you going to do for the next two weeks? Um, so, for example, for my last two weeks, we're ending up right, we're ending the 13.4 sprint. Um, I was taking a longer look at the item Radiant Virtue. I nerfed it in 13.3. Um, I could probably nerf it more. It's still going to be pretty strong on tanks. It definitely got weaker on enchanters. Um, it's maybe okay for the short term, but you know, we might revisit it, right? Um, but uh, it was, okay, well, can you take a longer look at Radiant Virtue? Because I think the, the tank items that came out in the preseason update were largely really, really good. Jack Show is really popular. Heartstone is really popular. I, I really love Heartstone. I think it's a really, really good item. Hmm. Um, but for its power level, Radiant Virtue wasn't very popular. Um, and I mean, power is a good way to like buy popularity. Hey, go play the OP thing, right? People play things that are buffed that just makes natural sense. Um, but in terms of people sticking with it or enjoying it or whatever, it's like, well, are people only buying Radiant Richie now because it's overpowered? Um, or is it actually a cool item? It's so, okay, well, can we investigate, you know, can Radiant Richie be an item that we make more interesting? And so, um, I don't think I'm particularly good at, um, creative work. I think I'm really good at like iterating on stuff. Uh, and that's like really comfortable for me. But, um, so for most of the last week, um, I've been like, okay, how could we make Radiant Virtue a better item? Hmm. Um, where it, it can still fill this like team fight fantasy tank sort of niche. Hmm. Um, where like Jack Show is like, well, I'm just durable. Heartstone has a cool minigame that's obvious about it. Iceborne Gauntlet has a pretty obvious minigame it's about. Um, Radiant Virtue kind of is just like, what's a cool team fight tank item? And all right, let me go think of what can I give my team? What can I do to opponents? What are the ways I trigger it? Um, and. Uh, at some point, we'll pitch what I think are, like, the leading avenues. And if they're worth tracking down, then, like, okay, we can try to get some, you know, a VFX artist or a sound, you know, designer or something and, you know, work towards iterating or, or implementing a, you know, new and hopefully improved version of Radiant Virtue. Um, so, you know, we're going to do sprint planning uh, on Wednesday. And I'm going to be like, I would like to spend about three days um, putting together a Rumble, like, small scope change list to make him a passable jungler and make him a better top laner because people would like rumble's pick rate has always been largely higher in in top lane than mid lane um like in general rumble players are top laners um despite the fact that he's been a better mid laner for eight years straight like power level be damned people would rather play him as a top laner but he's not good there but we can't buff him because he would be overpowered in mid lane um so <laughs> it has to be more than simple buffs right um, and I think Rumble Jungle is actually a completely like fine champion to exist. Um, and I'd like to make Rumble Jungle actually good for the first time in league history. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, so, but, but moving on, right? It's like, you know, the, the, and some of this is a little bit self-directed. Uh, we had a meeting last Thursday where um, we basically pitched a bunch of sort of low scope projects. Like, hey, here's champs that like are not breaking the game. They're not so we have to nerf them for pro play. They're not so nerf them for solo queue. They're not so weak that we have to buff them. But like, you know, um, I pitched Samira nerfs because, like, hey, Samira has been, like, pretty high win rate for a while. It's probably fine. But her ban rate has gone from, like, 15% to 40% over the last two months. So she's really quickly growing in, like, as a problem. 
And until her ban rate is like 50% in matches plus, or ban rate is like 53% for regular players, that doesn't like trigger alarm bells where we like really have to act. But we're like, yeah, actually, yeah, we probably should nerf Samira. Growing ban rate's a pretty big issue. And yeah, Pillar's kind of frustrated by her. Um, so, you know, there, there's some level of, of, of human choice going on there. Okay. Um, anyway, yeah, over the course of time, the next week, next two weeks, um, there's going to be endings. There's um, a, a bunch of like design. Um, like come together and talk about stuff meetings. So every week or two, a designer at Riot will give a presentation about like something they worked on. So uh, there's a woman who uh, like led a bunch of Hearthstone sets and she's at Riot and she talked about like what she learned working on Hearthstone sets. Um, And like, that was really interesting. Um, I, there's a presentation from a designer who uh, I think he's a designer, maybe he's a a V-Vector or something like that. But um, he talked about like, Hey, we have a relatively new system of how to buff, uh, how to um, hook up like, VFX on champions. So, for example, uh, Malphite, really old champion, right? And Malphite W gives him an auto attack buff. Mm. Um, and the way that it used to be coded was like when he presses W, um, like play this particle and play it for 20 seconds or something. And then when the W ends, tell the particle to end. But also, by the way, there's a champion with Nautilus where PFR is hooking. And so when he casts hook, um, it tells the game turn off particles. But if you zone as while hooking, you're no longer hooking anymore. And so the particles show up and look really weird because mm. that's, was, that's how it all hooked up because technology. Um, <laughs> and it's like, well, we have a new way of, of hooking up like passive buff. So like okay. Ari's eyes glow during her ultimate and she has like different stuff under her free base and how many ult treasures she has. And it's like, we have a new flow for this where it's like, hey, while I have Ari ult up, play this particle. And while I have one, two, or three charges of it, play this different particle. Mm. And it doesn't have to ask about, like, she's casting Q or doing whatever. It's like, you have a lot like better statements around that. So, like, that was a presentation that I was on, uh, that I, like, listened in on on Friday. Okay. Um, so there's several hours a week of, of meetings like that where it's just, like, here's how our tech has been updated. Here's stuff I've learned. Um, when I have a, like, good rumble change list, um, surfacing it in front of, like, the team leads um that's gonna be like one of the things is it's like three every two weeks is like service what you're working on that like maybe you want eyes on or want help with or whatever but there's like a lot of sort of built-in rituals for like like remaining collaborative and whatnot um and then all the rest of the time i would, I would say probably about half of time is is sort of like spoken for in general probably about accurate um and the other 20 hours um a week are sort of open for like actually iterate like working on what you're working on okay. or any sort of free selection stuff Okay. So there's my really long answer of how how that all works out. No, that's that's very insightful. That's super cool. That that there's presentations and there's mm-hmm. there's ways to 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 engage with one another. Like the, yeah. the the main question, like not the main question, but something that was on my mind is how do you make sure that if 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 you have multiple uh, game designs working at the same time, how do you make sure that things don't collide in terms oh, of sure. changes? Uh, so we're pretty good about um, like saying what we want to work on overall. So both with state of the game, which is the short term stuff, or you know longer term target selection or sprint planning. Um, it's like, hey, here are things that we want to tackle. So one of the designers, for example, is working on the fact that jungle is really overpowered. And it's also really, really skewed towards early ganking. Everyone's mall ringing everywhere, you know? Like, that's, yes, that's yes. you know, the meta is, is to mall ring um, and, and just can't bot the entire game. And it's like, okay, well, you know, right now, jungle is tuned pretty heavily towards ganking and away from farming. And so, um, Phlox, uh, who sits directly behind me, mm-hmm. um, he's, he's working on jungle stuff. So in 13.3, there's really, really minor stuff around, like, the flat gold per treat and a bit more XP in the jungle. And mm-hmm. this was because we decided we wanted to do this work, like, 
in that like previous Monday's state of the game meeting, and it's like, well, you have two days to ship stuff before 13.3 locks, so it's going to be low scope, it's going to be high confidence, and it's going to be relatively low impact. And this is not that we're never going to do anything more to jungle, but it was like, we made the call that yes, we need to keep nerfing jungle. Like we've seen enough pro play, we've seen enough like high low metagame evolution that we're like, the game is too much this way, let's make a call. Um, and so he's working on even more stuff around this. I don't want to spoil anything he's working on. Um, it'll it'll change around, but at some point, you know, it'll be on PBE and it'll be on live, and he's going to keep working on on jungle power level and satisfaction stuff like that. Um, so it's like I'm not going to touch jungle monsters or anything, right? Mm. Like he's going to go do that. I'm not going to mess with jungle items. Um, I'm not going to do any of that stuff because that's that's his thing and he's got that going on. Okay. Um, there are about um, eight games on the Summoner's Rift team. Not everyone is doing live balance. Um, some people are doing much longer much longer and larger projects. Um, again, stuff that I will not spoil, but like, um, you know, Summoner's Rift is more than just game balance, right? It, it handles preseason. It, it handles most mid-scope champion reworks. It handles all systems updates. So if we are going to, um, you know, make Infinity Edge work with 40% crit chance, like, I know it's a balance update, but like, the game entirely as a system interacts with the fact that I works on two wins now. Um, and like that, that's pretty meaningful. If we're going to add new things, if we're going to add new items to the game, you know, when we added tank mythics, um, right? Radiant Ritual and Heartsteel exist out of nowhere. Injections out of nowhere. That's the Summoner's Rift team, right? Um, if, if I'm going to make Abyssal Mask have ability power and make it an AP bruiser item instead of a tank item, instead of building out a catalyst or whatever, like that's Summoner's Rift team. And yeah, you can call it game balance in the way that you can call Chemtech Drake game balance, but, um, right, there's more going on than just game balance. Um, but yeah, if like we're gonna rework how a dragon works or how the map works or that kind of stuff, like there could be a game designer on that, and it's like okay, they're iterating on I'll just make up a, cha a champion Varus. It's like okay, well I'm probably gonna do any Varus changes, and this is reason to. Um, August is doing um, a small rework to Kale's ultimate, um, but that's going to be in a couple of months because getting the VFX art and everything else done in time, like that requires time. Hmm. Um, it's you know that that takes more time than just like changing three numbers in a back-end tool, and now Kale or Ult works this way, right? Like, well, it needs a visual update so it lines up with the gameplay pattern, yes, right? Yes. Um, and that just takes time to reach whatnot. So, uh, on that, do we want to buff Kale in the meantime? And it's like, oh, I can choose to do that. And so I, like, shipped a very small Kale buff mm -hmm. in 13.3. Um, so it's, just a, it's, it's a matter of just, like, not being on their champions and, and like, letting them, you know, work on their own stuff. Um, so, yeah, like, no one's doing a Thresh mid-scope while I'm doing Thresh buffs, typically. Okay. Um, or if they were, it's like, oh, hey, this is going to take me three months. Um, do you want to ship a small Thresh buff first? And then, like, ensuring we're doing the right things version control-wise where we're not crushing someone else's work. Um, okay, okay. So, you know, there's a bit of, like, coordination required, but also the team isn't so big. Uh, there's, there's not that much overlap. How, how big is the team? How, how, many, how many are you guys... Uh... Uh, like who, who's uh, shipping out the patch notes? Like who, 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 who how many? Are sure. Um, I would say in terms of like quick iteration patch note stuff, it's mm -hmm. around four to five of us. Okay. Um, it's going to depend. So obviously, I'm doing it. Um, I, I would say yeah. So so I would say most of the champion balance changes and item changes in thirteen point three, it was roughly five game designers. Uh, we're touching it. Um. And again, other people are doing longer term stuff and, and they're doing other stuff on, on the team that's not just live game balance. Um, if at some point, this is my understanding, I've been on the team for like a month, right? So like, mm -hmm. if at some point we get later into the year, I don't know when it's going to kick off in earnest, but like, you know, the Summoner Swift team is building preseason 2024 in earnest. There are people who like, their full-time job is just iterating on preseason and mm -hmm. they will not do a single patch note for, I'm going to make up a number four months. Oh, wow, um, okay. And all this stuff's going to be in November, right? Um, it's like, okay, well, there's, I'm going to, again, make up numbers. There's three of that eight-person team. 
um, who are literally never going to touch patch notes mm-hmm. for the rest of the year or whatever until you see it in you know thirteen point twenty four or whatever. Um, again, don't know the actual patch note for that, the the, the patch date for that. But um, I have I have been told that like I'm going to remain on the live balance pod. Uh, to be fair, I definitely am pretty weak at our tools still. Um, I I took a look at Thresh's Q and E script yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh man, do I barely understand what's going on there? Um, it, it's it like you you cast Thresh E. It then like that casts a different spell. You go into that script. That casts a different spell. You go into that script. That also casts a different spell. Thresh E is four spells that's on top of each other, um, like a nesting doll. Um, also, um, the way it looks up damage data because Thresh is a really old champion. Um, it, it is done in like a really old way. So um, it used to be that League of Legends champions would calculate their ability power ratios in their spell script itself. So when it like oh. goes to execute and says go deal damage, right right above that, it would say, okay, get my spell level, get my ability power, um, get this coefficient from my data file, um, get this base damage from my data file. And by the way, it's hard coded. It's that like level one damage is 20, level two damage is 40, level three. And so it's like, it's cross-referencing all these things. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, now math all together. Okay, now deal damage according to what I just math, what I mathed out. The new way of doing it is in the data file, you say, hey, um, Thresh's E base damage is 20 plus 35 per level. And it spits it out for you. So you can see it really cleanly. Okay, cool. Um, my ability power I'm going to define, my AP ratio I'm going to define is like 0.8 or whatever. Okay, and I'm going to make a math block in my data file that says, okay, add base damage to this defined variable called AP ratio and multiply it by my stat, my AP. And then I can I can basically just like right-click copy, paste it into the script, and the game mm-hmm. just says, okay, um, just take the damage calculation and then use that as a damage dealt. Um, so okay. that like... It's it's much easier because right I, I went to go buff Thresh's E damage for the first time since I became a game designer yeah. and I had to go through four spells to change all the numbers around um, <laughs> <laughs> to like update things correctly um, to like make sure it was doing it right um, whereas now it's like okay cool I can deprecate all the old lines and just say no here's the damage calculation so so now by the way the the tooltip for the longest time has already read like a damage calculator sort of like file. Um, but that was not how the spell itself calculated the damage. So I had to make sure anytime I updated numbers, and by the way, Lee Sin Q is a bug right now in 13.3, uh, because of this reason, where the AD ratio on Q is defined differently than the tooltip reads it. So I have to oh. change that number in both places. I fixed it now, so in 13.4 it won't be that way anymore. But like, okay, well, anytime I update a champion, if they were made before 2015, I probably have to do that. Um, and as I'm like <laughs> learning the tools, like I have to go through and do all those things. So like, um, yeah, it, it's why it's very easy for those to be these bugs because just like human error will happen, and um, you know, like there's just like a thing called coefficient that you're like, is the script reading the coefficient block or is it reading this thing down here where the tooltip is? And I just have to like guess or just change them both every time. <laughs> but at a certain point, I just want to rescript stuff. But uh, and like I'm getting more and more confident doing that. To where like okay. I I like fixed Thresh E the first try and it worked, and I was like nice. nice. <laughs> I've managed to like comment out the right things and put the numbers in as well. Um, so yeah, it's like that, that's just a whole process. So anyway, this is all to say that, um, I, I'm probably going to be on short, short term stuff for a while because I can barely read individual spell scripts sometimes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is that why some spells like maybe I'm crazy because I'm grabbing this from memory. Some skills okay. while you're, while the projector is in the air, as you skill up the skill, like, oh, yeah, let's yeah. say you level up, some skills do more damage and some don't. Is this yeah. why? Uh, I would so I'm not 100 certain. I would guess so. So it's it's going to depend on how it's defined. So for example, 
Um, let's so let's say for example, uh, so one thing that exists is uh, there's a like um, some things will just like update every quarter second. So you say, okay, every quarter second, I want you to ask the game how much total health I have, mm. and then give that to me as ability power. This is how demonic embrace works, right? Every quarter second, it's going to ask what's my max health. And then, you know, it'll probably refresh when I level up. It'll probably refresh when I buy an item. But, like, you know, Demonic Embrace doesn't know how to catch Radiant Virtue, right? Like, Demonic Embrace is, is dumb. It's just nothing. Um, and, I mean, maybe there's actually stuff where, like, I can tell the game, no, I've updated my stats. I cast Radiant Virtue. I've updated my stats. Trust me. Like, do this thing. Yes, but it's yes. like, does that happen every time I get an overgrowth stack from killing a minion? Like, mm. how many times? Like, and maybe there's a way to do this perfectly, right? And, and there's no ways to get, like, bonus health in weird ways. And it's always going to be fine. Maybe it's possible. And I'm just like, I don't know about that yet. Um, but Demonic Embrace asks every quarter second, um, what's your max health? Okay, cool. Give me 2% of that as ability power. Great. Okay, that's pretty easy. Every quarter second is going to update that. That's not very, it's not very expensive. It's, it's pretty chill. Um, that's probably like the right cadence in, in most cases. Um, there are other times it's going to be like, okay, hey, um, I'm casting Thresh Q. Okay, well, I cast Thresh Q. So, um, quick, my script's going to say, what's my character level? What's my ability rank? What's my ability power? What's my base damage? Do the math. Okay, great. Save this as a variable. This is this is my outgoing damage okay. variable, and then I'm going to hit a target, and it's going to be like, okay, go apply outgoing damage based on this variable to the target, and mm -hmm. that's going to be like what the script literally says. Um, now it could be that instead we code thresh q missile dot lua to it's like in flight whatever, and it's like okay, you know, on, on target hit before I deal damage. Um, ask my level, ask my base damage, ask where the stuff, and then go deal it. Um, and you know that might be efficient, might be not like. I imagine, for example, like Fiddlesticks of Crow Storm, maybe it shouldn't ask every single time it deals damage what your ability level is, because that's a lot of work. Mm. Maybe it should just ask when I cast the spell to store my damage as a variable, and whatever number is it is, right? Okay. Um, that might be like better scripting, even though theoretically you might want to like start casting Crow Oh, I have level 11, what's we'll it up? Like, that's going to be how it's coded. <laughs> but I would defend that's probably correct to just store the variable once, and then like you know, go on from there. I, I don't know, right? Maybe that does weird things with uh, Staff of Flowing Water. I, I don't know if that's going to force up to the stats with ability power quickly or not. I, I, truly, I, I would have to investigate and figure out if there's a bug or not with Staff of Flowing Water. Um, you know, I don't really know. If I level up and I get more health and the body can brace increase my ability power, is that going to change the damage of the I don't know. I can tell you right now. Um, but like, you maybe you have to do it that way. Um, but but yeah, it's, it's going to be functionally like, you know, teaching rocks to think, aka coding, and how that interacts is going to do weird stuff. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I, I, on on the end of so so you mentioned that you have so you have the the, the group of you that uh, that push out the patch notes. Uh, mm -hmm. In terms of the other teams, is there like a game systems team? Is there like the, mm -hmm. the, 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 the I I can imagine that they always come to you guys with new things and and then the balancing comes second. Or how does everything work in unison when when new sure. big changes like like for example the Aurelion Soul that just got shipped? How, how does that work? Right. Right, so uh, my understanding uh, in general, so so the way, and Riot reorganizes itself once in a while every few years, but um, there is the whole gameplay initiative, right? And so there's a game designer who is the lead of the gameplay initiative, uh, who's technically my boss right now, um, who we just put out gameplay thoughts. So Riot Axes is a, is a, I think he's super smart, by the way. I think that guy's great. Um, but he's like the game designer, uh, he, he's the, the game design lead of the gameplay initiative. So gameplay oversees champions team it oversees the summoners rift team it oversees the modes team it oversees the game loop team game loop is things like matchmaking right stuff like that yes, yes. um um and uh so like you know we're all sort of equals essentially but like we all do our own things of course right um now it can be interesting because um 
these can interact with one another in really weird ways. So the durability update, from what I recall, the durability update made players think that matchmaking was better. Um, hmm. Because if you don't die as fast, uh, you have more room for skill expression, right? Because um, you don't get one shot by like any idiot play pressing Talon and you know R flashing onto you or whatever <laughs> the combo actually is. Um, and so suddenly, if you're good at the game, the game feels more fair and matchmaking feels better because mm -hmm. skill was a bigger determiner determinant in who won the game. Mm -hmm. They didn't change anything on the game loop team for matchmaking, but 12.10 made champions more durable, and players were like, "Yep, matchmaking got better. The game feels more fair." Um, like you're, you're giving me better teammates and opponents when I, you know, this feels appropriate. It's like, huh, okay. Uh, so you get like weird interactions like that. Um, you know, where, uh, so, so you know, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how to talk about specific interactions. I know that like, I don't like, so, so if we ship out live balance changes, right, we, we email the generic League of Legends design distro, um, with like, Hey, by the way, I'm buffing Thresh. Hey, by the way, I'm nerfing Samira. And so if the modes team wants to like, Oh, um, this might make a Kali overpowered or Samir underpowered or whatever. They can, like, if they want to do compensation nerfs on their side, they can. Uh, they have to do so, although, um, again, don't work on the team. I don't know, you know, how they're going to get rid of that. I, I don't know what they're trying to do there. Um, certainly, we have plenty of oversight into what champions are coming out. Um, there is, like, embedded across all these teams is uh, the gameplay analysis team. It's a bunch of really skilled players. I think most of them are ex-challenger or current challenger. Okay. Um and uh, so, like, uh, there's a guy who played for UCLA on a collegiate team. Um, there's just, there's just, they're very good players, right? Mm. Uh, I think half of them are currently masters early in the season, whatever. Anyway, moving on. Um, and it's like, okay, they're embedded across these teams for, like, giving really good feedback on, like, how strong things are going to be. So, for example, um, you know, it's their job with everyone else's when I did, like, the AD carry update in 13.1b was, like, here's how much power they're going to give AD carry mathematically. And they were, like, pretty accurate. Um, where it like AD carry went from being like 20% of the power of a team to 21% of the power of the team. And it was like pretty much what their shot call was. Mm. Um, and you know, if I'm putting together a big change list, so I'm like, I want to make rumble, you know, gain 3% win rate in top lane and 4% win rate in jungle and gain nothing in mid lane. They're better players than I am and, and, and will ever be. And they're going to be like, Oh, we think this is going to be, you know, 2% in top lane. And it's actually going to be 1% in mid lane. It's actually going to buff mid lane. Um, and you know, it's right on in the jungle or whatever. And like, mm. okay, we can move on from there. Um, and, and, you know, uh, everyone's human. So, you know, that can be perfect. Either am I, but, um, like they're also there as basically like, okay, you know, make sure severities are correct. So, you know, when we're playing as a rally in soul, it's like, there's, there's a, you know, challenger Cassiopeia one trick, um, turn game designer. Who's the guy who's doing, uh, who did the rally in soul war work, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, I think. Pretty sure about that one. Anyway, <laughs> either way, even if I'm wrong, um, it's like, oh yeah, he knows really, really well, knows really and so really well, and like, either way, there's still a playtester on on the project to like ensure, you know, balance levels are rel relatively appropriate, whatnot. Um, so this is all to say that like, yeah, there's some level of interaction. Um, I don't know exactly how many are like um, formalized, necessarily. Uh, like, I haven't been attached to any new champions yet, for example, but my understanding, and maybe this is flawed, is like, there's always someone on Summoner's Rift team attached to like a champion project to like, just you know, because, oh, yeah, um, we're doing a mage item update, and this is going to, like, really matter here. Oh, it's going to interact with, like, Aurelian Souls launch. Oh, hey, by the way, right? Um, like, that could be really, really relevant. So having some level of interaction there is, like, pretty valuable. Okay, okay. Very interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, in, in regards to, uh, in, in, like, the game system team, uh, mm -hmm. is, there, is there, like, a definition? It, like, for example... League of Legends, uh, of course, the, the esports portion of it is very important, and how digestible sure. the gameplay is 
and how it's viewed as a sport, so to say, is is very important. Is there kind of some 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 metrics that are followed in terms of how like uh, how fun a game is to watch? Is that something that is defined? Um, I don't know if we have so we have some metrics for it. I don't know if you can really metric fun. Um, <laughs> but in terms of oh yeah, like we can get metrics on you know, average first blood or kills per game in pro play or game time and whatnot and how much action there is. And certainly uh, when the dribble dip that hit, for example, um, kills per game in both solo queue and pro play went down a whole bunch. Hmm. Um, and a lot of that was uh, we had also compensation buff turrets a whole lot. Um, like turrets got buffed by more than the dribble update buff champions, if I recall correctly. Um, and that like really, really crushed um, action. Uh, and so I, if I recall correctly, this is from the outside looking in, I was a shoutcaster then, mm-hmm. um, like they nerfed turrets down some, I, mean, I think they're maybe still stronger than, than pre dribble update, uh, but they also increased the value of first herald. They give it a bunch of flat gold, mm-hmm. um, and they increased a bunch of the elemental drakes by either 50 or hundred percent. Um, and then also made them more durable so that, um, you'd be more likely to contest at the drakes and, you know, drake one and two were 40% more durable and three, four, five, six, seven were 60% more durable. Um, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, Harold and Drake are more worth contesting. Maybe there are still fewer turret dives in pro play, but there is more action. And, you know, there's some data collection of, like, okay, when are first bloods happening? How many kills are there in a game or whatever? But also, like, I watched the games, and, yeah, it seems like, you know, this feels pretty good again. You know, it doesn't seem like it's too boring. You know, people aren't playing it too slowly. Hmm. Um, but that's always going to be something where it's like, we know pro play is less bloody than solo queue. Um, and it's like, maybe solo queue should have slightly fewer kills. Maybe it's a little bit too, maybe, maybe I'm not saying it's actually true, but like, Hey, maybe solo queue is a bit too bloody. Mm. Uh, but maybe pro play is a little bit too slow. Mm. Um, and like, I, I think we've all seen this LCK, like eight total kills game two games, yes, you know, yes. like they're definitely out there. Right. Um, and it's like, okay, well, that's an interesting design problem. How can you make the game less bloody in uncoordinated play and bloodier in coordinated play? Uh, good luck. Maybe it's just like, yep, we keep buffing Dragon and Baron. I don't know. Maybe it's Scuttle Crab gives 500 gold and teams are going to fight for Scuttles. I'm not saying it's a good change, <laughs> right? I'm not. I'm not. Um, but like, bet your ass suddenly mid laners showing up um, and there's going to be a fight because uh, it's it's about as valuable as, as Dragon used to be in 2013. Um, I think it was 1k, but you know, relatively, that's kind of the, the value. So who knows, right? But that's the kind of stuff that like, um, and those are like the really difficult consider, and, and sometimes more compelling problems of, mm. of how can you change the game in a really grand way. Mm. Yeah, I, it crossed my mind. Like the durability patch change, I anecdotally loved it, you know, because I think the standoff, uh, the, like the, the standoff on around Drake, I think made things a lot more interesting. Everything mm-hmm. became a lot more teamfight centric. And I think that has been like the general direction everything has been heading in ever since. I guess uh, 2020 when uh, Damon won the world championship. And in my mm-hmm. mind, is there ever a concern if uh, the game becomes more and more figured out? Because I feel like the system changes haven't been as drastic as they were in the past when, sure. for example, plants came into the picture and all of a sudden the game changed completely. Is that, yeah. is that ever a concern or is that like, are we going towards that ideal where where team fighting and and standoffs around objectives is what the game should be at the highest level? It's 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 tough to, to call, and I'm certainly not the game director of League, so even mm. if I have an opinion, it doesn't matter because you know there's there's <laughs> it's like three levels above me at least to make that call. Um, but in general, my my feel is I think it's good if the game doesn't feel solved. Um, 
I, I think that's a positive thing. So there's a couple things going on here. So one, I think players, it feels like, it's kind of anecdotal, but like, I feel like players get pretty offended if slip-pushing is actually good. So I think players are, are pretty against like Lethality Scion being good, against mm. Holebreaker being good, against Trinomere, because like, we're playing this game four on four or five on four or whatever. And then, oh no, Trin versus Akali in top lane determined who won the game. And the other invests like don't matter. Yes, um, yes. And at the same time, top laners are like, I have my honorable duel of Riven versus Fiora in top lane. It's a really cool lane. And then Zach just tells me who wins because he showed up. Okay, it's mm -hmm. not an honorable duel. And or we have our honorable duel, but it doesn't matter because Draven's seven and zero. Mm. And it's like, I don't know how you balance these well. And I know in the old days, top laners could TP down, but I don't think top laners, again, on whole, there are Shen players out there, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, they like their honorable duel, but it's like, oh, no, no, no. But the real gameplay is my Malphite TP bot lane at eight minutes and double so he won the game. I got a turret plate. Mm. It's like, well, okay. You know, I'm not, allowed, I'm not allowed to play seven spells for my lane. I have to take my summoner spell to teleport bot lane. That's still what the game is about, right? So mm. it's like, that's tough. I don't, I don't know the solve. I don't know what should be done about it. But it's like, top laners, you know, again, in broad strokes, have this like honorable duel 1v1 that jungles mess up, but also because everyone else is offended that this 1v1 with your decided who won the game. Um, I would say that top lane's impact of the game is actually like mathematically relatively fair. Mm. I think it's actually about the right level. Um, I don't know if the things they're doing are exactly appropriate. Like, I know in pro play, Rift Herald is actually about the supports roaming up, and it's a 4v4, and sometimes AD carries arrive. Um, I mean, that was part of why Rift Herald even got in the first place, was it was a top lane objective. It was top lane felt isolated. It was to do nothing. And it's like, well, here's Rift Herald. It's going gonna, it's gonna to spawn eight minutes into the game. You're going to have your ultimate. Don't worry about it. And it's going to be valuable. And so top lane just have an objective on their side of the map. And then we added a second Herald. There didn't used to be two Heralds. Um, so then the second Herald existed, and it's like, oh, there's more to do on that side of the map. Um, you can play for stuff. Um, some of the weird interact with that is, well, now it means that Herald gets summoned and just ends top lane because the turret died, and mm. now the lane is over, and <laughs> Fiora was given 500 gold for first turret, and it's like, now Riven can't win the 1v1 anymore, and it's like, because Leona realmed up for first Drake. Mm. And it's like, wait, what happened to my 1v1? <laughs> Three people decided my lane was over. Uh, it's tough, right? It's, it's so tough. Um, because it's like, you have an objective. No, 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 no. It's Leona's objective. Um, so that, that's tough, right? Uh, I still think Herald's a good thing for the game, right? It's creating action. Um, mm. It is a thing that top leaders get to fight over and top priority is a really big deal. I think especially in solo queue, because, at least in like after solo queue, where it's like, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm playing it around like a D4 MMR right now. Mm. Um, and it's like, I've seen one support rope the first Herald. Like total, <laughs> you know, like, it's it's definitely. Do we have top prior? Okay, cool. You know, someone, you know, Master's gonna go solo because we're not gonna push or something. Um, so anyway, again, this this this, this goes for a lot. Um, I don't even remember the original question anymore, but um, <laughs> that's fine. System, systems are really complicated and interactive. No, for sure. It's like I'm I'm always I like even when you mentioned the 500 gold crab situation, like my imagination just instantly disappeared in a yeah. world where, where that yeah, happens. You know, I, I, right. I, I really like when drastic changes happen and the game is kind of born anew, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I feel like, you know, the, the last couple of years has been, you know, very limited, you know, it's like, for example, this sure. year, the Chemtech Drake came back and in my mind, I'm feeling, yo, that's, that's just the dragon that was, was promised last year already and then it's yeah, re-altered sure. re re you know and i'm hoping i'm i'm the type of person that's hoping for a lot of drastic changes just so the game feels uh always fresh and i feel at least in the recent years the freshness has come from champion diversity more so than anything else and i feel you on that 
yeah, I mean, for me as a player, yeah, I get really excited when Elemental Drakes first came out. I remember like playing normal games with friends and was like, no, we're not going to end the game yet. We're on three Drakes. <laughs> One more for Infernal Soul. I want to play with Infernal Soul. That's cool. Yes, and it's yes. like, oh, whoa, Elder Dragon's going to come in. I can't wait. That's going to be interesting, <laughs> you know? And all the new items and whatnot with Mizzix and, what, and everything else. Like, yeah. So I, as a player, super engaged player, has been playing the mm. game for 13 and a half years. I really like when there's huge system shakeups. Um, I don't know if every player feels that way. Like, you're also obviously really hardcore. You've been playing, yes. I mean, you were even playing as a competitor in 2012, right? Like, you're you're obviously really invested. Um, I would bet most League players actively haven't been playing for 10 years. Um, mm. But that said, maybe it is still correct for the change. Again, I, I haven't looked into it. I don't really know what overall player, what the overall player base thinks. I know the Reddit user base, like, people who are going to watch this video are really hardcore, right? Like, yes. <laughs> you know, the like, year of your base is not the average League of Legends player. Um, yes, yes. But, like, there's a lot of League of player, League players out there who are incredibly important, mm. um, who aren't podcast watchers and aren't, you know, necessarily big into esports, whatever. So you have to design for everyone, of course. Uh, again, for me, I would like there to be more shakeups. Yeah, I, I, I hope 2024 feels like, what was it, like 2019, whatever had Elemental Drakes on it. Mm. Um, like, that would be cool for me. I would like something, you know, pretty large to that level, something like, you know, Rift Herald being added to the game. Like, that's the kind of stuff that I think makes me rethink about the game and makes it really fun because it's going to be a different game. Like, yes, even yes. though it's still 90% League of Legends on Summoner's Rift, like that 10%, I think, to me, is really valuable. For sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And I didn't think about it this way, that often it's, it's very easy to just, like, Reddit and Twitter and think that this is the reality oh, yeah. of, of what the game is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, most people don't engage with these, these mediums and that kind of mm -hmm. makes sense uh, in, mm -hmm. in terms of what the player base is, for sure. I wanted to ask you, this might be a strange question, so I'm just, everything that comes to my mind, I'm just going to fire okay. at you. Is there a way to, to measure what is frustrating to play against? Uh, yes, actually. So uh, there's an imperfect one, which I'll just start with, which mm -hmm. you can just use ban rate. And ban rate's not ideal. You, you, can, you can use like, you know, a bit more in-depth analytics, like ban rate, but like indexing for pick rate. So, you know, a champion like Tom Kench is not popular, uh, and Yone is. Right. And so mm -hmm. it's like, OK, well, if we compare Yone's ban rate, it's going to usually be higher than Tom Kench's mm -hmm. um, unless and, and if that's close, it's like, wow, wow, people are really frustrated with Tom Kench then if oh, he's not even I in see. most games, but still has a really high ban rate. Right. That like even though you don't expect to see him because uh, that's going to be already that's going to be tightly correlated. Right. So like um, Morgana has a pretty high ban rate and whatnot. And that's not always frustration. Right. That could be just it counted my champion. So like Morgana is the most obvious um anti-tank champion in support right mm. so morgana has a really high ban rate especially in low elo because if you're gonna play Tarek or nautilus or leona or blitzcrank and blitzcrank's really popular by the way mm. um well in solo queue players will pick morgana against you in pro play they don't and maybe for right maybe for wrong whatever but like um you can also like survey players survey, like player survey data um this actually got posted about really recently where um if you ask players on like hey this champ is one to five frustrating um, champs like Zyra score much, much higher than champs like Morgana. Uh, Zyra has a higher win rate and a lower ban rate than Morgana and scores higher in frustration. Um, <laughs> uh, when, you, when you ask players specifically what can be frustrating to you, right? Um, and so that's what's nice. You can actually do direct survey data. And um, that's really, really valuable, actually. I, I think survey data is really, really valuable, so that can help a ton. Um, but yeah, at the very least, you still have... Um, I, I'm just personally a bit, really big fan of, of statistical movement over time. So looking at um like Syndra's ban rate just go up into the right it's like oh okay. or, um <laughs> samir's banner go up to the right it's like okay players are increasingly in in the belief that samir is the like the most necessary ban right now in league of legends mm. okay like that we should we should consider acting on that mm. 
That makes even even if it's for a staleness argument, where it's like if players feel like they have to be in this champion, freeing up that ban would be nice. Mm. Okay, okay, that's interesting. I'm I'm curious about like what besides champions being very weak and and very strong, what mm -hmm. other things need to be balanced mm. to make the game more enjoyable? You know, frustration sure, was was yeah. one thing. You know, and and mm -hmm. it was it was interesting to to hear you speak about Samira specifically because it's like I always queue support. And Samira has been mm -hmm. my go-to ban because <laughs> in, in my mind, I have a really hard time picking supers that are good into Samira. It's like, I can play Alistar, but I'm going to wait until 13.3 until I'm going to be playing Alistar into Samira because I don't want to be playing yeah. Alistar into Renato or something. Because I was playing a lot yeah. of Ash, and then I just see mm -hmm. her eating my, my ult, so I just started banning Samira. <laughs> yep, yep, I guess you. I'm, I'm, I'm totally definitely there. In my small anecdotal experience, I can connect it to, yep. to, to what you're yeah, saying. Is, is, is there any yeah. other metrics... Besides, so I mentioned frustration, good, overpowered. Is there anything, anything else? Like you mentioned the, the word stale. Like, oh sure. In, in order to mix things up, like how do you notice these trends, and is, is how does that really work? Right. So there's a few things going on here. Um, so one, we're actually right now in the process. One of the game designers is on it. Um, on on the Sunrise team about like redoing, um, or at least investigating what kind of sort of automated metrics we want to use like as like primary focal points for uh like so, some level of data-driven balance so uh if if you know we've posted the the balance framework before where it's like, okay if you cross any of these ban rate or pick rate or oh, sorry win rate or ban rate thresholds um especially in really elite play um if you're really really stale and pro play for a certain amount of time and that kind of leads to playing whack-a-mole um mm. and it's like well maybe actually we should just be looking at things like and i'm making stuff up here it's like Oh, if the rate keeps scaling to the right, you know, that's going to make us look at it, whatever. Um, I'm not sure. So, but I'll move on to a little bit um, from here and and say that I think um, all these are going to be kind of just sort of self-driven of things that are that you're going to consider valuable. So um, some champions are, like, th their purpose for existing is that they're hard to play. So Aphelios is the big brain AD carry. Mm. Um, and so he's going to have a resting win rate of, like, 47%, probably at, like, highest, maybe 48 um, but as long as Aphelios players understand, like, yeah, he's hard to play, most players are bad at Aphelios, and they can understand that they're not the average Aphelios, he's actually good in their hands, just not in everyone else's hands, um, then that's fine, and, like, his win rate's low doesn't matter, because if you're good at the champion, you'll be successful. Mm. And trusting that players can understand that themselves is, is pretty valuable. Um, so, like... It's okay if his win rate's low because we know he's actually good in the hands of experts. Um, I have seen a report of like, you know, um, what's a champion's win rate of games where you have 200,000 mastery on it, right? Where it's like, we, we can get a champion where that's the win rate, you know, what's the average win rate that we're seeing right now on, on the live gameplay servers? And then what's the win rate in the hands of, of you know, people who are like at least close to mains? They have, they have 100 or so games in the champion. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, everyone but Zeri in the middle of like last October was mm -hmm. over 50%. If you were a good champion, it was you were, you were going to climb if you're playing your main. So it's like, and Zoe was like at 42% back then, right? Like she was, she was really dumpstered, you know, at that, at that time of that report. Yes, yes. I don't know where she's at now. I'm sure she's fine. Um, but like even Aphelios was like, actually in the hands of Aphelios means he's fine. So like, okay, cool. So he's like not a pressing concern, but you know, maybe his mastered win rate should be equal to Misfortune's mastered win rate. Um, obviously her first time winner is much higher than Aphelios's. Um, mm. But it's like, okay, that's one way to look at it. Um, I, I really, really like, uh, for example, um, if skill order makes sense. So uh, to me, and this is actually part of the Thresh buffs I just shipped, um, well, put into the game on Friday night, so see whenever that ships, probably Monday. <clears throat> uh, 
Um, like most players, when they think of Thresh, like, yeah, the Lantern's cool, but it's like, he's not the shielding support. He's the cool hook, make cool plays, APM support, right? Like, mm -hmm. he's really flashy. Um, and most players, max Q than E than W. His highest win rate is every other order but that. His, <laughs> and, and to be fair, new Thresh players will do the default skill order. Like, there's, there's some biases there in the data, but like, Still, though, most players, when they think of Thresh, they think of throwing out hooks, and maxing hook is currently wrong. Mm -hmm. um, maxing shield is his best skill order. Um, if you look at his top four skill orders, or sorry, because there's six permutations, right, of, of what you max first, second, and yes, third. Yes. Um, the top four all have W first or second. Hmm. His two lowest win rates are maxing W last. And it's like, <laughs> that's not why people pick. I mean, like, Lantern is why people play Thresh. Like, it's a really cool ability. But, like, its rank up is more shielding, basically. It's yes, like, yes. we can give you a good amount of W casts. Like, we can put that cooldown at a distant spot. Mm -hmm. And the shield scales aggressively with soul count anyway. So, like, that can be a one point where you're wonder. And it's like, let putting both the hook be correct and let you be the, the cool hook guy. Because he mm -hmm. is. He is the cool hook guy, right? Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, Thresh is meant to be a little bit squishy because he has so much playmaking and he chooses when to go in, he chooses when to go out. Um, he slows them, he plays, he lanterns in friends. Like, it's meant to be high tension. That's the entire fantasy of that character. Like, he shouldn't have Nautilus levels of durability. He shouldn't have Leona levels of durability. His shield shouldn't probably be 500 points, um, you know, late game. So let's you know, move those things around. So um, my changes are like, I'm buffing Q rank up by a ton. Um, I'm buffing E rank up by a little bit. I'm nerfing W rank up. The goal is still to be win rate positive because he is... Um, like 48% for average players, which mm -hmm. is maybe okay. Again, he's a high skill champion. Um, but like, he has a pretty different, like, skew by MMR, and it's like, and the elite players just maxing shield. And it's like, that, that's a really boring way for Thresh to be good. So, um, you know, I, like, I'm, I'm deciding that I want to pick up Thresh as I want to flatten his skill point. Like, at, at least flatten it, if not make Q max the best, because I think it's the coolest version of the character. Mm. Um, and, and so that kind of stuff was out there. Um, when I buffed Rakan in 13.3, it was again a skill order thing where it's like, well, um, wouldn't it be nice if maxing Q was as viable as maxing E? And I got some pushback there because um, Q is arguably the a less interesting skill, right? Sim simple line skill shot, hit one person, um, is probably less cool than, you know, shielding multiple teammates and dancing around and back and forth. So maybe it shouldn't be as good. Maybe it should be one point wonder. Mm. Um, so, okay, well then the, you know, it, the flat healing per character level is what got better. I didn't buff Q damage rank up. So you probably still don't max you first. Maybe it's okay that he's always going to go W and E. Um, that's the champion. Um, and so there's, there's some there's some conversations there, right? Like I don't think you know shield max should be good on Rumble. Um, at least not first. Like you know maybe Q and E should have some choice. I don't know, but um, so it, you know like coming up with my own design goals of what should be valuable. Um, Alistair got a bunch of AP ratio buffs because I think it should at least be a choice to like pick up stat shards on him and for Relic Shield to feel good to get it transformed, for Baron buff to feel good. We're nowhere close to like top or mid Alistair being strong. Like we're nowhere close to AP Alistair being a good build, but like, yeah. oh, if buffing AP ratios makes Shirelia's like competitive with Locket, mm. that's probably a good thing. Um, if, if picking the AP stat shard is competitive with picking the CDR one or the armor one, that's probably a good thing because it's, it's some more choice. And I'm not really trying to make Wizard Cow good, but if you have a little bit of choice in runes, and like I noticed that in 13.3, like the pick rate on the AP stat shard like doubled from like 3% to 6%. So people are trying it. Um, and like I think that's just, it's a really, really minor thing, but like I think it's a, a positive and it's maybe not the most pressing thing, but for the work required, which is changing a number in the back end by 0.2, I think it's decent. Okay. Okay. I see. Is, is, is it common that most like, I would imagine that in the lower ranks that everyone just maxes Q 
regardless of mm. the champion that they play. I imagine that that's like the trend. <laughs> that that's but but also I'm yeah. thinking about it and I imagine that most champions it's correct to max Q at the same time. It just feels yeah. very natural. <laughs> that that's yeah, that, that's, by, by, that's by a bit design. of a design goal. Yeah, it is actually. It's a bit of a design goal where like usually the like standard repeatable this is kind of what a champion does is very frequently on Q. This isn't always true. Like Rel is like I think her W is kind of her most iconic ability. Um like yeah, I think in general that, that tends to be where we kind of move. Uh I mean Ezreal is really obvious example, Samir is really obvious example, Thresh yes, theoretically, right? Like Blitzcrank. A, a lot of these champions their iconic ability is on Q, and then yeah, you have like the just the the natural inclination of going that way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is so by design. Like, there's sort of a internal feel for what the buttons do. W is often the most weird one. Um, just like for what it's worth, like, you think about it. Um, and it's not always true, but it, it often is the most weird one. Um, you know, it's where a lot of champions' passives are, like Vayne W, for example. Um, but but yeah. yeah, like we also have the the recommended skill order stuff that got added in the preseason as well. There's a lot of like little accessibility stuff. Like here's what people typically do as a jungle path. Here's mm -hmm. what people typically skill up. We had recommended items for the last little while that was uh, data driven as of a couple years ago, but was hand done years before then. Um, and you know, just helping players get into the game. And it's like, yep, yeah, you should kind of skill these up. Um, here's your sort of your default experience. Um, th there's value in that for sure. Mm. No, I I really like the way. Even though I don't use it, I really like the way. Uh, like League of Legends has implemented it because I, yeah. I play Dota 2 a little bit in the off season and the way they did it is like you have to like press the guide and then there's like just a bunch mm -hmm. of random text and then it was very very overwhelming because I didn't play enough Dota 2 to like digest everything at the same time yeah. I, I'm lucky because I played like I, I played Dota in the Warcraft 3 client so I knew what was up yeah, with with, uh, with with all of the items with Blacking Bottle and, and so forth, but it was just like here is a bunch of information from this player that made a guide in the game and just uh, follow along. And then there's like mm -hmm. 10, 15 options like this you buy when this is going on, and it didn't really like connect with what's going on in the game. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like League of Legends has done a good job uh, of this, even though I almost never use it. But I can see sure. you know the usability when I play like with friends that come back after playing like League maybe three years ago, right, they come yeah. back and just play a game of Cho'Gath and they just buy whatever's there. <laughs> no, yeah, I played, cool. an I played an ARM last night with some with some friends and acquaintances and, and like one of them was like, wait, how do I, wait, how do I get double cast on my, on my, on Udyr? And it's like, oh, it's a, it's a one minute cooldown, so it's your ultimate. Uh, you just you just press it again when it's when it's available, and someone else had, hadn't played whatever the, uh, another recently changed champion was. Oh, Aurelian Soul! Like he was, we were playing. Um, it was the day of the Aurelian Soul update. It was actually on Thursday, and he's like, "Wait, <laughs> what do you wait? What's this laser thing?" It's yeah, he has laser now. It's like, wait, wait, since when? Oh, today. Oh, okay. Um, just like didn't know, right? Just like logged into play. Uh, so yeah, I mean that definitely happens. Some. <laughs> That's cool. I I, I wanted to uh, ask: Is there any champions that are like statistical anomalies? It's like. Is there ever like is there a champion where you just don't have enough information to define what's going on with it, or does every champion have like their niche player base, and you can kind of put each champion in a box uh, and say this is for pro play, this is for one tricks, and so oh, I forth? Um, I think there's interesting discussion there. So I, I don't know if champions necessarily need to be in boxes. Um, certainly, I think there there's some value in in uh, some level of categorization. You know, I, I think. In general, it's good if ranged champions are squishy and melee champions are tanky, mm -hmm. unless there's a reason not to. Like Urgot is ranged, but he's kind of a juggernaut, so you know he doesn't he doesn't get he doesn't have to have like Jace levels of durability. Even if his base health might be the same, he's got a shield, right? It's really obvious that that Urgot's gonna be tankier, um, even though they're both ranged or whatever, right? Um, Rakan probably should be squishier than than Urgot, 
because Rakan's more mobile, even though they have like the exact same attack range, practically. Mm-hmm. Um, and they both literally have, I go into melee and touch you, and that does my job for me, right? Like, those are still different champions. Um, so you, you always want to, you know, individual always trumps general, right? Specific, specific beast general. Um, but on average, you know, yeah, it probably should be true that range champions are squishy, melee champions are tanky. Um, I personally think it's okay if there are some champions that are just made for newer players. That, like, Garen is a bit of a League of Legends on-ramp. He has free passive Elthrogen. He's not mana-bound. He has no skill shots. He has a time he has a W, which is kind of cool. Um, but, like, you know, his abilities are pretty straightforward. He's pretty easy to play. Um, his W passively stacks in last hitting to, like, teach you that last hitting is good. It keeps you didn't realize from gold being valuable. Uh, I think there's a lot that Garen does well at being an intro champion, and that's fine. And I don't think we need Garen to be a meta top lane pick. Now, he happens to be good in a Cassante, and that's fine. Um, you know, he has some some counter picks. I think he's actually supposed to be good into Aureli as well. Mm. Um, just a lot of his kit works out well against what she does. Turns out Silence is the one who blinks seven times a second is really valuable. Um, <laughs> and Merc turns against full D kind of sucks. So you don't want Merc turns against Garen. Um, and it's like, yeah, he just has some good matchups in the pro play. And like, that's okay if he's there. Um, but I think we just, I think we would think something is wrong if Garen was like a 50% presence pro champion. Mm. It's like, what's what's going on that League wants this like kind of brain dead regen bot as a champion like set was also meant to be an easy early to play champion right he also has a bunch of free regen he's also resourceless. he's also melee low skill shot like he was meant to be an easy to play champion and mm. i mean that's true his skill curve is, is rather flat um oh interesting they also had like a really aggressive set meta for a while and it's like hmm <laughs> this is maybe not what we wanted uh and i'm not sure i was on the team when that was happening right but like um you know, there there is some understanding of this, right? Where, uh, you know, Yumi's kind of in this boat as well, right? Where she's actually one of the most successful champions for brand new league players, where like they're actually just starting out and they're playing the first ten games, and Yumi is a is a you know top one percent um, of of like yeah, she she's really really good for new league players because it doesn't ask you to learn positioning, it doesn't ask you to learn dodging skill shots because league is a really hard game as it is. It's okay, hitch a ride, hang out. Um, I imagine Garen's up there as well, and I imagine Akali is not. Um, and that's fine. Akali doesn't have to be good for new players. Akali is exciting and high skill and, you know, get good is, is I think, a reasonable thing to say for difficult to play champions. Hmm. Um, and that can be really weird if you consider yourself an Akali player and she's at 45% win rate and we just say, no, trust me, if you're good at her, it's fine. Um, but, you know, then you have the opposite where people people just say their mains are nerfed for pro and it's like, no, actually, Rise is hard to play. Um, if you're good at Rise, you'll be rewarded, but most people are bad at Rise. Like, hmm. that's just how it is. Um, and and so, you know, it's it's not even always just like nerfed for pro. It's like, no, it's nerfed for people who are good at champion and you just have to get there yourself. Mm. Um, and that honor can be hard as well. Where It's like, why why bother learning a champion if it's going to be bad until I can play 100 games on it? Like there's there's a weird, you know, ask there like that. That's a tough question. Uh, it's a tough topic to get through. But that's yeah. Anyway, anyway not, not everything needs neat boxes. Um, again, there are some champs that I think are just naturally going to be pretty good in pro play. Um, I also think to kind of expand on this somewhat. Um, I talked about this earlier with like whack-a-mole and like banning whatever's like high pick rate or ban rate or winner or whatever. Um, but I think like not all pro meta games are created equal and not all solo metas are created equal. Mm. We're like right now solo meta is actually pretty reasonable. Like there actually aren't even really high elo like that many marksman picks. Um, I know I looked um a couple days ago and like Masters Plus was like okay it's a lot of Karma Lulu and it is really enchanter heavy but like it's not. Outside of Ash, it's like, okay, it's Ash with the other enchanters, but like there's not a lot of Jin and Caitlyn and Callista. There is in Pro, but like if Pro has like 15 rotating champions, it's actually kind of cool. Now, I would like Nautilus and Leona to be a bit more of that rotation. Um, but like it's actually a pretty high variety pro meta. 
Um, so like, I don't necessarily hate that marksman supports exist. Um, Halo Blaze is used by like Pike and the marksman supports. That's kind of it. Um, but like, maybe that's okay. Um, and like seeing the occasional Ash and Caitlyn and Vera support is like probably right now. Maybe Ash is overpowered. Okay. Maybe Karma is overpowered. Maybe Lulu is overpowered. Um, thankfully, Genji lost to Yumi last night, so you know we're safe still. Um, that was wild. I'm, I, I saw that chat. I'm like, I was please, really please, tell me they, please tell me they lose, and they did. I was okay, um, but I was about to have a heart attack. Um, it's like we can't do this again. Like, there's no way. Come on. Oh, um, but but you know, and and we see like a little bit of Nautilus. We see a little bit of Leon and Alistair. I would, again, I would like it to be a little bit higher. Like, I would mm. like to be as many tanks as there are marksmen. And so I think like we're really close to a super super good like support meta in pro play. Like you give me te- you give me like twenty percent more presence on tanks like as an overall class, and we're like we're in there. Like I'm just gonna AFK this. We're just gonna ride this pro meta for like the rest of the year, um, <laughs> because that's really good. Now I think AD carry is a little bit tight. Um, mm-hmm. I think there could be some 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 opening there. I'm not giving it a ton of thought, but I think it's a little bit it's a little bit shallow. Um, but you know, with, with like a couple of very light moves, I think the support meta is actually really good. So it's like actually, I don't I don't want to right now. I want that's why buffs champions and said hopefully that's enough. Um, you'll you'll find one or two that you like that you think is going to fit the meta, uh, and we'll just kind of let you do that. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of the hope with with what the changes were. Um, we'll see. Uh, but that and, and then the solo queue at least for like not ultra high elo is like two to one range to melee, which is like fine. Like, you can play a lot of stuff down there and a lot of stuff successful. Uh, like Rel is high win rate. Alistair, okay, nerfed him, but he was doing fine. Rakan's high win rate. Leona's high win rate in the hands of most players. Um, Nautilus was pretty high win rate for like like elite play. You know, Masters Plus. So. Uh, you know, there, there was stuff floating around out there, and, like, Solo Keybed is actually pretty happy. Um, we're pros close, and then, you know, there's other stuff we can look at down the line. But, hmm. um, you know, it, it's okay if there's, like, a decent holding pattern of Rocket Versus going on. Yes, yes. No, I, I, I'm watching, like, the, the pro games on 13.1.B, and mm-hmm. I'm always hoping that Ash, Lucian, Kate is out, because then all of a sudden everything is, like, opened up. It's like everything yeah. can be played, and yeah. uh, today we had, uh, I believe, like Zion Nautilus into into Karma Severe, which was like refreshing. That was like, oh, yeah. the Nautilus came in, and I'm I'm just hoping that the Ash Nuff comes in and the Kate Nuff mm-hmm. comes in, maybe another Lucian Nami one, and then all of a sudden uh, the meta yeah. is, is is wide open again. But I think the Draven players would be very happy in in such a world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then if, if if we're in, if we go back to like hundred percent, you know, presence, and it's just Draven every game, like, mm. and then yeah, it's just Draven Caitlyn because Caitlyn can handle Draven, I guess, um, or whatever else can survive like a really aggressive bully lane. Maybe you need to play Ezreal. It's like okay, well, right, it, you can very you can very quickly overcorrect and get into a, a much narrower, and it's like oh, it's cool we're seeing Draven now, but it's like is better at hundred percent presence Draven, hundred percent presence Ezreal, or is it better with it's like. You know, it is 80% Lucian, 30% Sivir, 30% Zeri. Like, is that just better? Mm. Um, so, like, I don't, I don't want to overcorrect to, like, pretending the grass is greener everywhere. And maybe I'm wrong, and, like, there is, like, a, a really vast open field just, just waiting for us right behind that Lulu ban. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm unsure, right? Because I do think we're really close to it being really, really varied. Mm. Um, with just, like, right, if, if not as a 50% presence, I think the support metal looks really good. Is, is kind of, like, my view on it. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think already the 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 fact that I, I always look at it through the lens of of the teams and G two was a very mm. Nautilus heavy is a very Nautilus right. heavy team. And that would be and, great, right? And wouldn't that be cool if like every G two game is Nautilus, Leona, and Pike, and then every like Fnatic game when we see him <laughs> in April is you know we're gonna have Lulu and Karma and like wouldn't that like I would like that right where it's like actually Zeri is as viable as Lucian is as viable as Sivir is as viable as Ash AD carry mm. and just turns out two teams per league play different stops. 
I think it was way better. Um, I don't know if you're watching much of LCS last split, but like CLG played a ton of like Yone, Silas, yes, yes. Um, Akali, Flex. Hmm. And it's like, they just like, they're the one Yone team. It's like, great, Yone is strong enough that some teams just play Yone. Hmm. Perfect. That's exactly what we want, right? Like that, <laughs> that, that, that's the ideal balance is where like you have a million 20% presence champions. So, so, so basically the hope would be that this idea of identity, the players have in solo queue by playing their own specific yeah. champ that that stretches all the way to pro play that be great. teams have identities and more yeah. more of the field is open yeah that would be yeah. fantastic honestly <laughs> yeah we, ha we have like what like five ten percent on percent presence on kindred right now like that's like the healthiest marksman junglers have been in a really long time where like mm. there's like the there's a once in a while graze but kindred's actually like there for a few teams mm. like right because it, it's been like 100 percent graves or none right but we have some kindred. And that's like really good. Now it's I know it's like really like Vi Sujuani Wukong, like jungle is pretty flat. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying jungle's in a in a super great spot, but like there it feels like there's like a little bit of spice out there. And so I think I think there's a lot that's really close. Uh, for sure. I think there's also like a level of almost uh I, I know this from experience that players are very hesitant to try new things that can be very good. Like yeah. we see some Amumu games. I think Udir, I was very yep. surprised that it wasn't played in pro play at all with, with, with the rework of it. Uh, I, I was very happy to see Amumu. I think Amumu was very strong. And uh, we saw Trundle picked a couple of times. And I thought Trundle benefited from the fact that the Golems and Raptors are being uh, are a lot more killable. I think there's a lot more room to, to explore. And uh, I, 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 I hope that people uh, become more and more open-minded <laughs> as, yeah. as things continue. Of course. And that's tough as well, right? Because... You know, we can we can react really quickly to solo queue at least win rates. So mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we nerfed Kasten, and you can watch his ban rate trickle down by day, as like some players read the patch notes and some didn't. Yes, and yes. so like his ban rate will keep doing this every single day until players realize like, no, he's actually balanced again. It's fine. You mm -hmm. don't have to ban him anymore. It's okay. Um, and his pick rate will probably drop as well as people realize he's not OP and they can play whatever they want to play. And if they want to play Kasten, he's actually still not a weak champion, right? He's just balanced. He's not he's not must pick must ban anymore, right? Yes, um, yes. So pretty happy with those nerfs. Um, but it's like, okay, we can react to solo queue. Win rates instantly, pick rates and ban rates trail, and then two and a half weeks later, or a week and a half later, pro play gets the patch, and pro play win rates are useless. Yes. Um, and pro play pick rate is well, we're actually only measuring ten mid laners per league. So it's like, what if Jensen still really likes Azir, and in a world where like dig is good, everyone just follows what Jensen's doing. Or like if Chovy still like Silas, and everyone's like, well, "We're gonna do what Chovy does," hmm. right? Like someone ha like in a world where where you know people are going to follow the best players. I don't know why I picked Ignatius as my start. I know there's your own six. Hmm. Um, I could have picked anyone else, and I I chose Ignatius. Um, it was a it was a bit of an L. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like in a world where like no, I want to follow what what Gen G is doing, or I want to follow what Ruler's doing, or I want to follow what Carrie is doing, or I want to follow what Barrel's doing, or, you know, I want to follow what Chovy's doing, or I want to follow what YSKM is doing. Um, it's like, okay, well, now you're just measuring one person's view of the patch. Yes, and yes. then, is that good? Like, and so we, we're delayed in reactive pro play, because it's like, well, we think we actually buffed Nautilus enough in 13.3. And then we're going to watch games on 13.3, and LCS and, L and LDC are going to start, and then we're going to get LCK the week later. And it's like, if they haven't picked Nautilus, are they right to have not picked Nautilus? Or have they just not practiced enough yet? Or mm. do they not think it's enough? Or are they waiting for Barrel to pick it that they're going to do it? Right? Like, <laughs> which of these is true? And we know it's going to be like April 
by the time we know, right? Yes, it's yes. like, well, we're about to lock 13.4 in two days. I must imagine as well that the additional layer of it is like the sample size is already very small and then you have mm -hmm. so many differing levels of play too within pro play because yeah. it's hard to, it's it's hard for me to claim that LPL is the same as DLCS in terms of level and then yeah, of course. the ERLs as well and then that comparison must be also very <laughs> tough <laughs> to to decipher yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I think there's, there is some value in, in looking at like more aggregated data of like, yeah, we're going to see what's happening in the NA Challenger series. We're going to see what's happening in in the ERLs and, and elsewhere. Uh, there's there's an NA a Challenger player who plays Garen. Oh, yeah. And like, <laughs> it's good in Nikasate. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's great, right? Because like that's super cool. He's phase rush, infinite move speed Garen. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying he's necessarily like a big pro pick, but like it is actually good in the matchup. And hmm. I mean, honestly, like we probably should see 10% Garen presence in pro play. Uh, potentially because he actually was at that lane really hard but whatever um and just like i don't know um end of the day yeah it's it's people have to actually decide to put the practice into it and that can be really tough is this something that uh you've felt uh, in the in the recent times it's it's like perception of champion strength seems to mm -hmm. at least in, in my experience it seems to like weigh in heavy and is there something that is broken but very underutilized based off of what you've seen um i mean i do think so in general yeah so uh my my pick for highest win rate champion in pro play uh for worlds rather was uh was neela i thought neela was actually a really good champion oh, okay. um she so she's really good in enchanter metas which we were in mm -hmm. uh because she gets free heal and shield power um if you haven't played neela soraka that lane is very dumb mm. um because you actually can't die uh, also, it sounds funny because every heal over time tick from Soraka Q starts the Neela heal sound effect over again. Mm. So you're on a washing machine. It goes. <laughs> whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Okay. It's great. Um, yeah, but like if Soraka lands a Q, you just both full heal. It's like it's wild how strong that is. Um, and so like Neela's really good in channel metas. Samira's really good in attack metas uh, because she wants CC follow up, and Neela gives free heal and shield power. Right. Um, in a world where we have a bunch of Gorge Rankers, Neela scales off of those. In a world where we're seeing some Doctor Mundo, it's not a ton of it, but you know, mm. Mundo used to be good. Um, Aatrox is around some, he self-heals, right? Neela, again, scales off all those. Uh, Silas is, like, the champion, right? Um, so it's like, there's a bunch of things that actually Neela is good with right now. Um, mm. she's relatively good in melee heavy, especially if it's low DPS, because she can drain tank with yes, Ravenous yes. Hydra Shield Bow BT. Um, and so I, I actually feel like it's actually a really good Neela metagame, but we just kind of don't see it. Um, so, oh well. Um, I think Twitch is also very, very good. Um, I know when we had Spellthief's top a while back and mm -hmm. like Lorlo was playing uh, top Janna and we had a couple teams around the world would, would play like top Smite Karma, top Smite Janna. Um, I think the low-key best champ there is actually Twitch because Twitch oh. just guarantees you win mid lane with Spellthief's because he just ignores top lane and whoever's playing mid, Akali or whatever, just doesn't get to play League because Twitch <laughs> might be there and you lose... <laughs> and you have a mid laner. And I don't care if they're like, if someone ever takes Renekton, you're like, Five tier plate Renekton versus no Pharmacali, I take that every time, hmm. right? Like, of course, go go have fun. Here's my counter pick. I'm not leaning against you. Um, so like, there was stuff that just like wasn't played, but um, right now, uh, Twitch AD carry thing is also very strong. Hmm. He's he's not really good at early lane control. He's okay with like Doran's ring start, presence of mind, like spam W, and it's it's okay. Hmm. Um, but uh, he he actually has like really high base health. So he actually is pretty good at level one scraps. It's like 680. It's like really really high. Um, so he actually is is and if you like want to go Halo Blades or even PTAs, like not too bad for early trades. Um, he just gets outranged by Ash, which is annoying. But like, if you have any level of moderate aggression, um, like Twitch is, is very, very good. He's like really with the new item update because um, you 
be rushed by the ring a lot of time. You still get IE by third, which is like in enough time that you're useful in team fights. Yes, yes. Um, or you can just go full on hit. You show like wits or something if you want to like survive a collie. Mm -hmm. um, like I think she's really good. Um, I think she's really really good. Um, and also, yeah, I think um, they're really really greedy meta games right now. So when when we're seeing things like their support and whatnot, it's like that is supposed to be a world where you can just play like Pike Samira and he just dies, or like Pantheon Samira, which is like incredibly aggressive. But like if Jin dies to Hex Flash, are you allowed to play Jin anymore? Or do you just die to Hex Flash Pantheon W uh, yeah, with yeah. like follow up, right? Like, because she just wind walls all your trade kills. And, you know, like, there's a certain point where it's like, that's why I wanted up both Pantheon and Pike, where they weren't even, I mean, Pantheon's not great in solo queue outside of mid lane, but, um, you know, I think there's just stuff out there where people are getting a little bit too greedy in in some of their bot lane support picks. And I think there are counters out there. And so, I mean, that's part of why I just buff a bunch of tech supports was to just to have that kind of flow work. But I do think. Mm. The, the metagame has gotten slightly too greedy and given enough time would snap back on its own, but I wanted to give it that nudge. No, for sure. I, I, I also felt like it was balancing on that edge, like something goes wrong and then you're useless. Like that's always mm -hmm. been like a, a conversation around yeah. champs that are so greedy. I think that's the best way to, to, to put it. I think Samira is super interesting. I'm surprised we, we haven't seen it just yet, even though the, the sample size on 31.B is, is rather small. I thought the, the infinity sure. edge changes was very good for her. And like mm -hmm. considering a lot of these bot lanes that are harass heavy are very projectile heavy, and if something goes your way, everything shifts. Yeah. Uh, I, I always use Nyla as my counter to Samira. I really like to play. Oh Nyla yeah, yeah. To Samira, so. she just block anything. You just ultra out of her ult. Great. <laughs> that one, that one is lovely for me. But Nyla, I yeah. feel like whenever she shows up, once again, very anecdotal experience, only my solo experience. I feel like mm -hmm. the 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 most uh, frustrating variants of playing against Nyla is when I feel like the enemy support gaining levels is going to be oh, so sure. detrimental. Like I think that aspect yep. of Nyla has some abuse case, I feel, that is underutilized. Oh, sure. For sure. No, she she's really, really good with champs who actually want levels. Um Yumi's one of her better pairings because turns out I mean one you just keep Yumi safe forever, but like turns out she actually likes all of her rank ups and she likes getting levels. Yes, um yes. so yeah, like th that that's definitely out there. Um and Shannon's weirdly actually do kind of like the levels quite a bit. So, mm. yeah, it, it is strong. Like, it's a lot of her power budget for sure. Mm. Uh, also, I can imagine also that, that, that the new items are must be very good for her. <laughs> like, the, the box that I, I put so. it in with, 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 the, with the changes that have that you made for the ADK role, which I love, by the way. I think the changes are fantastic. Because I, I think there was a big problem with, like, the whole LDR purchase on second to prepare yeah, yourself for totally the I think that was horrible for the game. And the conversations I had with my carry players about Collector and its weakness, just because they hadn't mm. needed a filler item, this was always <laughs> mm. a, a, a pain stick. You know, it was it was it was it was a pain. I'm, I'm surprised. Sometimes I, I notice that I, I, a lot, in a lot of the conversations I have with uh, with other like analysts in the scene when I'm doing the, the the costumes and so forth, I feel like people don't understand how powerful PD still is. <laughs> like That's very good. I, I think that um, uh, sometimes the the idea of how powerful the the second ie or the navori quick plate is is sometimes um, let's mm -hmm. say overestimated is that something that has sure. been that you've noticed in terms of the metrics that people are buying these items on second when they don't necessarily need to or maybe it's fine enough that it's not that bad for the the, the metrics yeah. it's it's tough because um player like behavior data is is prone for all kinds of biases mm. uh so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with actually a tangent and then go back to the topic at hand um so like 10 months ago um 
Jax was buying Divine Sunderer, and like 10% of Jax's would buy Trinity Force. And Trinity Force is like a 4% higher win rate than, than Divine Sunderer. Oh, wow. And so we manually edited his rec items to recommend instead only Triforce. Um, and the pick rate went from like 80, like 80, 90% Divine Sunderer, 10% Trinity Force to like 60% Trinity Force, 40% Divine Sunderer. Wow. So, which meant like most players were just buying the rec item. But like literally all we did was change the rec <laughs> item and most players changed what they did. Um, That's which crazy. Is wild, by the way, that that many players just buy whatever's showing up to them on the shop. Um, and of course, you know, plenty of players just stay with Divine Sunder, right? They had their own idea what they wanted to buy and they just bought it manually and it's fine. Like, we're not saying they shouldn't do it. What's interesting though is the win rates became flat. So, oh, uh, between the items. So what's interesting is like, okay, well, most players autopilot Divine Sunderer, and some players chose Triforce. And players who made a conscious choice tend to be better Jax players. Mm. When we swapped, most players autopiloted Triforce, but those who made the choice to Divine Sunderer were no longer on average outperforming Triforce users who were autopiloting. So Triforce probably is the better item still, mm. but a flat win rate where the rec item has the same win rate as the non-rec item means it's actually stronger than we think it is. Um, so like that's just an inherent bias that just exists, right? <laughs> um, every rec item is by definition going to have a deflated win rate because first timers are never going to manually go for the shop, but experts will on their mm. champion. Um, and so like I, I have like 30 games of Twitch this season and the last Twitch game I played, I built no mythic um, and I built IE fourth or something like oh, that. I saw, because that, it's I like, saw that print screen actually. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm getting like dove by a 11 and zero Diana and they have an Akali I'm like, we're going what's in hex drinker. Like this, there's no yes. way around this. And it's like, a first time Twitch player is not going to do that. And I'm pretty mm. sure I made the right choice and we won. That was great. But like, um, this is to go back to Infinity Edge second and data being valuable. Um, because it was a micro patch, there was a lot, like, no one ever, like, opened up League and it goes, oh, there's a patch. And they hit play and it's, it's patching. And it's like, here's a 13.2 patch notes. Hey, by mm -hmm. the way, Infinity Edge is 40% crit chance. And so, like, it takes longer for players to identify what's going on, which means anyone who is buying IE second um, means they understood the micro patch going on, which means mm -hmm. they're really engaged in the game, which means they're maybe probably still on climb because they're early on in the season, but they're playing a lot of active rank. Yes, um, yes. And, and they're actually probably a good player, right? So um, there's a decent chance of like, oh, that's just a bias there. What's also interesting, even before the changes, IE second had like some small pick rate and had a really <laughs> high win rate because if you're so far ahead, you're buying IE second, yeah, like even though you're clearly wrong, you're ahead, so you're going to win the game. Mm. It's weird. So it's, it's often quite tough to pull valuable information out of pick rate uh, out of item data. Mm. Um, like, it's valuable to see what players are doing. Um, the, other, the other difficulty as well is um, when they have different price points, uh, because um, imagine, imagine a game where there's always one collector or for gold uh, um, uh, sorry, sorry, Freak, I, I missed oh, what you ahead. said there because of uh, the, the, oh. the, the lag for a moment. Could you repeat what you just said? Yeah, okay. So, so what's also weird with item pick rate, win rate data is um, prices. Oh, yes, create some yes. really weird situations. Um, so, like, imagine imagine a world where you can build a locket or through UK for Radiant Virtue. Hmm. Um, in in many, I'm gonna I'm gonna overgeneralize. Let's say you can always make 2.5k gold, even if it's a 20 minute surrender. And so, every Nautilus ever can always finish locket. They go for locket, both the ones who are winning and the ones who are losing. Hmm. Um, and so, you just get Nautilus's like baseline win rate. Um, that doesn't always happen, but like, we'll just pretend it. But you know, if you always 2800, you don't always get to like 3200. Only Nautilus who got 600 more gold can finish Radiant Virtue. So every 50-minute surrender loss cannot be tracked in Radiant Virtue's win rate. Because mm. you never bought it anyway. Um, and every 20-minute surrender loss 
is never radiant virtue because you never got the money anyway. Yes, yes. But if you won a 20 minute surrender, you had the money because in a lot of those bot lane got three and oh, and, and you got first blood, you got three turret plates, you got first turret, whatever it is. And so radiant virtue, just by definition, measures different games. It measures games where you're ahead. Of it. And so it's really tough with price differences. Um, it's a little bit less stark with things like collector versus shield bow versus LDR, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anytime where you're buying grievous wounds as the AD carry, it's like, wow. No one on my team is buying Grievous. What are these idiots doing? Mundo's 10-0. I have to buy a a, a Creature's Calling. Well, it's an entirely different game state from regular AD carry games. Yes, Which yes. means, like, immediately, like, all of your selection data is different. So, so it can be really, really tough to actually get value out of, um, like, any situational item buys, um, win rate and pick rate wise. Um, I think in general, we would basically just say, hey, what does satisfaction look like? Um, what does Q health for AD carry look like? Um, what's the aggregate power level AD carry in terms of you know their their influence over the game? Are players building IE second? Okay, cool. And then I don't really care if IE second is optimal. Like the fact that people like it is good enough for me. All mm-hmm. I was really going for was as much satisfaction as possible, and I was willing to buy it with some power budget. Mm-hmm. Um, but like in a world where IE remains second, but we nerf them by level or you know shield bow and kraken slayer has five less attack speed. Or Zerk Greaves goes down a little bit, like whatever. We can nerf any carries, but like they're still gonna be enjoying that they have IE second and been like it'll be an overall positive for the game. So um, you know, break things a little bit, can nerf later, but um yeah, I don't I don't really care if IE second is optimal. Mm. Okay, okay. Yeah. I think I think I think that's fair. I I, I really, really like the change. Uh, I really I'm like glad. the change. Thanks. And I still really, really like uh Phantom Dancer. <laughs> I'm a Phantom yeah, a Dancer item. enjoyer. I think in a lot of cases it's super strong, especially with yeah, the Kraken Slayer combos. But I think definitely that the AD carries that had had a rough time buying that second item uh, are very benefited by it, and I think they were kind of left in a, such a power like dip uh, at yeah. two items that it was just kind of boring and and not mm-hmm. you didn't feel impactful. So I think that the, yeah, the yeah, change yeah. really really hit the mark. I thought the mana region mm-hmm. changes also was super super good. I, I it was I was very very happy that that was you came out of the gates and the the, the first yeah. swing was, the, was was beautiful. I mean, <laughs> the, the funny thing is that it definitely wasn't all me, right? So uh, certainly um, getting IE to second was was a big goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but like version one of the changes was every item has twenty five crit chance and IE turns on at fifty. Um, oh. And I also brought Bloodthirster down to like twenty eight hundred and like cut its life steal to like ten or something. Mm. Um, um, I also tried buffing um, nullifying orb uh, substantially, like just another another you know shield option that AD carries can get. Yes, yes. Um, and then and then giving um, Infinity Edge a unique passive where if you overcapped crit chance, it would give you even more crit damage. Mm. Um, like I, I swung really hard version one of the changes that mm. never went that never went to PVE, and <laughs> and they were like, this is way too much power. You cannot give us twenty five crit chance. That's way too much. Mm. Um, also, um, nullifying orb like really messed with mid lane matchups. Where just like Cinder doesn't get to play league. Yes, anymore. yes. Doesn't get to play league anymore. Um, and you're just like, oh, just everyone approaches the nullifying orb, and now mid lane mages are even worse. Um, mm. Okay, I don't need this to make AD carries feel better. They don't, they don't have to do this. Okay, cut that change. Um, obviously, Yasuo did really stupid things with overcap and crit chance. Um, that, that could have been solved, but like, didn't need to happen. Um, and and the mana change was actually from uh, the team lead, um, Froxon, was like, hey, you know, if you're trying to get people to pick overkill, um, why don't you think about loosening their reliance on presence of mind? And like I went back and forth with him a bit, but ultimately he was right. Where it's like, actually, yeah, AD carries I think can be allowed to have a little bit more to spend in the mid mid to late game, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, in terms of what actually shipped that patch, it's like two of them original thoughts 
five of my thoughts did shape up and someone and what the other ones was someone else's idea and it's mm. like i got all the credit but like <laughs> i had like a 30 percent hit rate you know like let's be clear um it, it really was the team um and, and even just like calling out that we want to buff 80 carry satisfaction was also not my call that was i mean i grabbed it because i know 80 carries really well i've been mm-hmm. playing that role for 14 years um so you know i, I try to grab things that i'm passionate about or that i know pretty well mm. um in general, like I, I like playing Lee Sin and Kale, and I grabbed Lee Sin and Kale buffs in the previous patch. Mm. Like things that I thought were annoying about the champions, and so I buffed them. Um, you know, uh, again, AD carry kind of similar boat where it's like, I, as a big AD carry player, I really don't, I really don't like getting IE third. It feels really bad. And so that was like literally the first change was finding ways to get IE second, right? Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, the, I, I'm glad I get to have that perspective and get to have, you know, some level of, you know, s- effect from what I know and what I'm doing. But I, I do want to make sure that. Credit is given where it's due to everyone else because it's a lot. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's cool. Uh, I have a crazy idea. I, I'm Great. gonna run it by you, Good. and and you're just gonna tell me. You're just gonna knock me down on the door. Let's pretend I come to you with with a change that I want to implement. So I okay. I, I, I haven't thought it completely through, but I had this idea that if if I was so if I I think about tank items right and. Mm-hmm. If, if I was playing a tank and I could choose the defensive components that I could put throw into my item to mm, complete, to, to, to have an effect, that is like the, the, a change that I would want, you know, because sometimes right. some items are forgotten and I feel like uh, in, in the context I'm thinking about the chem tech and sometimes I would want to have a sunfire cape, but I would not want to have MR and maybe I want oh, the okay. icebone gauntlet, but I want to have MR instead of it. Uh, how, how does this idea sound to you on first impression? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't instantly hate it, right? Um, I think there's there's a couple things going on here. Um, like, the idea of, hey, give me more variety here is totally reasonable. Um, I think in in very broad strokes, and so not in every single case, right, um, there is some value in hyping the survey. So obviously some items are just like their armor items, you know, the things that Frozen Heart does and, and Thornmail does. Yes, like, yes. Um, I mean, Thornmail's kind of getting a carryover from what it used to be in, in the old days, you know, when it was a generic Groove Zoom's applicator, you know. I, so uh, when we did Thornmail, actually, when we made it like on season I the designer back when I was a shoutcaster and was mm-hmm. like, hey, would you mind swapping the stat profile with Randuin's? Um, so that Thornmail is less armor skewed since it's going to be bought as a generic Groove Zoom's applicator. And he's like, yeah, good idea. Cut mm-hmm. some armor out getting more health. And moved Randwins to be more armor, less health. Um, just yes, you yes. know, separating those stat profiles. So it's like there, there is v- like value in having that sort of, you know, having that be genericized. I mean, there's a world where actually, yeah, Sunfire Cape should have armor and MR in it or whatever. Um, I, I haven't given a ton of, I haven't given a lot of like in-depth thought to tank optimization overall. Um, it's very easy to just give everything an Age of the Legion and be like, it's got thirty of each, move on. Mm. Um, and that I think just like functions. Um, but yeah, Sunfire Cape is a pretty generic output, but it's locked behind you wanting to buy armor. Yes, yes. is a very specific output that, oh, I'm, I want to self-heal, but locked behind MR. And maybe that's okay, where you're like, actually, I know Visage is an MR item, and so I know that Maokai and Mundo and Zack and all these self-healers are going to be good into AP-heavy teams. Mm. And so when I see that's Rumble Top, Ken and Mid, and, you know, Sejuani Jungle, who's kind of half and half, but whatever, it's like, oh, they're, they're 1 AD. This is this is a Mundo or a Zack game. I'm going to buy a Visage in a world where Demonic and and you know everything else aren't so OP. Okay. You can't buy this item in time. There, there's some value there, right? Yes, yes. Um, now I know that can make Mundo players feel bad with like I'm Mundo player. You put me up against Renekton with a Kha'Zix jungle. I don't want to buy Visage here. Like mm. this feels bad. 
Um, so there, there's give and take there, but I think there is at least some value. And maybe again, on on whole, on balance, it's correct to to you know soften these back out. But I, I think there is at least some value, and so it's not like oh, it's obviously the right call to like genericize these items. Mm. Um, you know, again, again, I'm not saying yeah for sure. You know, this is the right way of going about it, but it's a thought. Um, in a world where uh, additionally, it's like the the learned behavior of knowing that this is an MR item, or you know, it's like looking ah. I see Mundo has Sunfire Cape Thornmail. Oh, he's got all of armor. No, actually, hover over it. This is the magic Thornmail. Oh, this yeah, is the magic yeah. Sunfire Cape. Um, and there's ways around that, right? Like Sheen and Lichbane and Trinity Force are different items with different stat profiles and different icons, right? There could be a Sunfire Cape and that's probably reasonable. Um, again, not going to turn the thought, but like maybe, right? You know, maybe it's okay that you can buy an MR Sunfire Cape, and it just it looks different enough that players understand and you get rid of all those problems and whatnot. That, you know, th there might be room for that to be the valuable thing to do. Um, I know, like, you know, to a similar boat, like, fighter players, but like, or, or I'm like, hey, why isn't there an armor version of Wit's End or Hex Drinker, right? It's mm -hmm. really hard to build AD health armor um, outside of building, like, an actual tank item, or just AD and health. Um, and maybe just the game shouldn't support that because it just makes the builds really awkward. Um, I know we used to have problems way back when where the mid lane meta was both players rushed a Missile Scepter because yes, it was yes. AP and MR <laughs> and a good team fight item. And it's like, ah, well, we can't kill each other, but it's definitely my best item. And like <laughs> if, if every top lane, you know, Cassante versus Renekton versus, you know, Jace versus Set versus whatever matchup is like, yep, you always buy the AD health armor item and now no one can die. Um, like that, that can create some some bad problems. And at least when you're going ADMR, you're by definition buying different items from each other, right? One guy's going what's then one guy might go Zonia's or might go something else, or mm, you know, like you at least I get see. some more variation instead of like item A fights item A every time. Um, that makes sense. Like yes. I think that that tends to create kind of an issue. Mm. So th there is there's good reason to not have like mirror items essentially. Mm. No, that that, that makes uh, a lot of sense. You, you you brought me back to to the world. I remember when people there was double yep. Willow the Ancients meta. Megatron first item. Yeah. Oh yeah. First Moda. item too. Yep. Like I remember there was the Atmas with Warmogs mm. that everyone bought yep. every single game. Yep. The Frozen Mallet, Atmas Impaler, <laughs> and and it was just a, a battle of of those yep. items against each other in every single game. Yep. I definitely remember those times uh, for sure. Because they beat each other, right? That, that could be the issue. <laughs> no, that definitely makes uh, a, a lot of sense. Uh, I wanted to to ask you, uh, in regards to the the mage itemization, I, I've noticed, mm -hmm. like now with Aurelion Souls release, with with the stacking component, with the Cinder rework, with the stacking component, and then Victor mm. is also in that in that batch. Is sure. is that the idea? To are we going to see that on all the mages eventually, where where there'll be like this <laughs> stacking component? It seems like that's the go to. <laughs> Think so i i'm curious if if you really can draw a really like strong parallel there uh i mean certainly like yes you can point to examples vagar has this as well sure but yes, yes. um I, I i don't think there's like this overarching goal of mages are going to turn into you know these linear scalers or whatever or infinite mm -hmm. scalers uh i mean Vic, victor is i mean i getting stacks up means at the very least is a very easy way of just saying look let's kind of soften or like a bit more obvious how scale works. Like, you know, I think it's a better version of Hexcore than the old recall for 1150 gold to make sure you can get your first item online. Yes, yes. Um, like, I think, you know, it's it's probably a positive this way around. Mm. Um, Aurelian Soul is, you know, he forges stars. You know, I think I think it actually fits the thematic that he kind of becomes a, a, a 
a raid boss. For like, sure. I think it's actually really compelling and it fits the character. I think it's, a, I would say, a sort of better executed version of Vagar passive, mm -hmm. right? And Vagar is a champion from 2009, right? And Aurelian Soul Rook is a champion from 2023. And so, in terms of like, they have the same passive, kind of. I mean, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing, but it's like, Aurelian Soul is much cooler than my W cooldowns faster, right? Um, so, so, you know, I think that's just designers got better on whole of making making cooler abilities and making yes, yes. feel more more satisfying. Um, that's why reworks happen and whatnot. But, um, you know, S Syndra was just like, well, instead of it being when you hit rank five of Q, it's when you get 40 Stardust or whatever. Mm. Um, and like, uh, I think I think this actually might have been that the tune was to try to fix some level of pro solo queue skew, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, solo queue is much bloodier than pro play. Yes, and so yes. if Cinder gets revolves via kills and assists, or like much faster via kills and assists, you suddenly have a, a power lever that disproportionately affects solo queue. Because Cinder's been like a 47% win rate, pro presence for seven years, um, 10 years actually, right? She, she's always been a really bad mid laner and everyone but pro hands. And it's like, ah, we're going to mid scope her and give her a tuning lever that is specific to bloodiness, which is specifically a solo queue stat. Oh, okay. So now suddenly, right? Like even though it's, a, it's a another major stacking passive, it's like, I mean, this is a tool that we can certainly overuse, right? It's certainly mm -hmm. possible to do. Um, but in the way that, you know, early game is pro play skewed and high elo skewed, um, in the way that um, gold income is solo is, is, is pro skewed and high elo skewed because players are better at last hitting, um, you can do similar things with like, well, bloodiness is low elo skewed and solo queue skewed. And so you can, you can buff things in ways that don't buff pro. And it's a really mm -hmm. good tool for that. And as long as you can make it thematic and like, Syndra's whole thing was, you know, growing in power level and, and absorbing, right, and like, and selfishly taking power for herself. Um, like, that, that's part of her lore, if I understand correctly. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, she already had it in her abilities via when I get max rank Q, I've unleashed the power. When I get max rank W, I've unleashed the power. And it's like, well, now you get five stacks on killer assist. Mm -hmm. um, and and so you still have this, eventually I evolve Q, eventually I evolve W, eventually I evolve E, but we go this way with it. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's pretty clever. I think it was actually really good design. Um, but I don't think it's the way like all mages should, should function. Okay. I, I, I really like, I, I personally really like this type of system because I think, mm -hmm. I feel like the, 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 the idea of what mages are is that, that they have that scaling curve and there are certain yeah. points where they feel a lot more powerful. And mm -hmm. if, if, if the favor of the early game goes in the direction of the mage, it accelerates that process and... I, I like it in the the idea that it's in the kit rather than only in items. So I kind of I, I personally really really like like th this type of system. That's why I wanted yeah. to ask. I could imagine a world where maybe Oriana would have such a system, <laughs> where there yeah, would be sure. something in place for her. But uh, I, I think it's uh, I like it. I like it. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, you can do it simple ways with ability power rations things like that as well. Where it's like oh, they really really run off. And so Oriana goes, you know, from being, you know, really good utility and wave mm -hmm. control to she one shots with a combo if she gets enough ability power. She gets the mm -hmm. four items with a death cap and she has 900 ability power. Um, and now Artist does 2,000 damage in a full combo. And unless you built a Banshee's Veil or a Hex Drinker, she's going to one shot you. Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of have that just via via very simple things like like damage scaling and gold scaling. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you uh, in in League of Legends, right? I'm I'm trying to think of the question. Uh, uh, try to phrase this question properly. Mm. What is, in in your mind, what is the importance of of variance? Right. I, I ask mm. this question because in uh, a lot of games, generally speaking, there's like there's crit, and and I know that that's balanced out in a very specific way that I yeah. like about League. And as a competitor, yeah. I hate variance. For example, mm. the, the 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 right. rolling of dragons is is random, mm. right? And sometimes it can sure. benefit you, sometimes it cannot benefit you. But w w what kind of a role does variance play in 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 uh, 
the balancing of a game and how, what is yeah. its importance? Yeah, uh, I would say on whole, variance is really important. Um, so a lot of my favorite games, um, in fact, pretty much all of my favorite games, um, I have played less than I've played of like Counter-Strike or League of Legends or Warcraft 3 PvP. Um, mm -hmm. Because like I played the Warcraft 3 campaign. I really liked it. Mm -hmm. um, I've played every Fallout game. Um, sometimes more than once, uh, and really like them. Mm -hmm. Um, I like there's a bunch of games I've played. They're like these are really really good games, and then I don't play them anymore because there's there's no more variations. It's like yes, well, yes. I can listen to the same dialogue and the same and and there's no reason to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas League of Legends, um, I'm on game number fifteen thousand or whatever. Um, and it's it's different every time. Yes, and yes. some of that variation obviously is because there's players on the other hand. This is like really obvious thing, and there's a bunch of champions and whatnot, but. Um, you know, the game being different every time is, is what makes that interesting because I have to think about the new context every time, you know, mm. and, and you get this via like, well, the Syndra got first blood and so she's ahead or the jungler path top and my jungler path bot. This is a game where we have, we have bot prio and we're going to stack dragons and we can actually tower dive them. And so mm. I can play this lane really aggressively and us will be there for us and we can, you know, go kill Nami three times pre six and I get to go pop off and I'm ahead of the curve. I can one v one their bot lane by coming out of stealth and just pressing R and autoing them. Mm. Um, and, and so, like, variance on that degree is really, 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 really important. For sure, yes. Um, like, you literally want a different experience going on. 100%. Now, Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so um, there are also ways to get it through, like, random chance. Now, some of that, again, mm. is like, well, the jungler's in Fog of War. I don't know if Kha'Zix is here. I don't know if he was coming down. Mm. I don't know whatever. Um, so there's variance in that. Did he go for a grab or did he path down to the bottom river? Um, and there's, there's functionally variance that way. Mm. Um, in terms of variance of individual fight outcomes, um, I, I mean, I don't think it's ultra important, right? But like you have variance via the fact that skill shots are dodgeable. Um, you know, not every Syndra QE lands, um, even if you're Faker or Chovy or Showmaker, not every QE is going to land. Yes, yes. Um, you know, not every, not every gank's going to work. Some of going to be warded. You know, some, some of the invades are going to be really cool and you start the enemy jungler behind. Um, and again, these aren't random chance. I mean, they're functionally guessing games. You're kind of playing rock, paper, scissors of like, you know, um, when Maoran ganks bot, does he Q flash or does he wait for you to flash and then try to flash follow? Nope, he Q flashed. Okay, well, the bot lander died. Mm. Um, but if you wanted to guess that he was going to Q flash you, theoretically, um, Exekick, I forget who the editor was, it's like, I think he's going to Q flash me and just like flash out of nowhere, he just would have mm. lived and there wouldn't be first blood. And, you know, that is functionally variance because you're trying to mind read each other. Yes, yes. Um, now, again, I know you asked about crit chance, right? Um, there's very little of it. I would say that crit chance is much less offensive um, on auto attacks than like crits on spells and especially ultimates and dodging, where um, beneficial crits feel good. Beneficial um, dodges feel much worse than they feel good on average. I'm glad mm. League got rid of random dodge a long time ago. Um, <laughs> Those expensive and everything seals. else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it was it was rough. Um, <laughs> you know, Baron healing mid fight just feels out of your control and not fair, right? Mm. Um, and missing your smite because of it, like that, that's pretty rough. Mm. Um, but but like, I think there is good reason why crit held on longer than than random dodge and things like that. Um, there is there is value there, um, just because again you you get to create high moments and yeah, in respect you'd be like ah it's because he got lucky, but like it, I'm not saying it's for sure a great thing for the game. I don't know. I haven't given it a ton of thought, so like I can't tell you what my full opinion is because I haven't given again a bunch bunch of consideration. But like it's relative to all the other sources of RNG, pretty inoffensive. Um, mm -hmm. I would say like oh which elemental drink did we get? Like 
I don't think it actually means that much. Like, yes, there, there is some non-zero value in like, oh, Lucian missed this CS because he crit, whoops, and now the turret killed it, and now he didn't finish his IE on recall. Like, this can <laughs> snowball into actually one in 10,000 games you lose because of crit RNG on your minion last hit, right? Um, and there are games, like, and it's measurable, of like, oh, actually, it turns out Rengar uh, weirdly isn't good on Ocean Rift because when your opponents heal to full health more reliably, you don't one-shot as well. You have mm. more brush, but you don't have as many targets. Um, so, like, weirdly, Ocean Rift actually nerfs, nerfs Wengar Rindle Rate uh, oh, because wow. his opponents, on average, are higher health. Yeah, it's weird, right? Um, <laughs> um, old, old Ocean Soul, which gave a bunch of mana regen, actually, I guess it still does, is actually Sona's worst um, soul because okay. she already tops her team off. She doesn't need more. Like, yeah, her mana pool is healthy. Okay, so what? Like, you build tier anyway, mm. and your teammate's already healing in the middle of combat. Like, they're either going to burst it or they're losing the game. Or, you know, or winning instantly. So it's like, it doesn't really matter they have more regen. You already got regen. You already win in the regen front. Um, well, so things like that are, like, unintuitive. Too. Yeah, there's things like that are kind of unintuitive. Um, but yeah, again, this does have some pressure on who wins the game and loses the game. Mm. But, like, I think the amount is really, really low in terms of, like, actually determining who wins the game. It's really, That's really low. Sure. Um, okay, okay. And, and so it's like, well, okay, we are we are slightly, slightly lowering competitive integrity, but I think there are a lot of games, gains in terms of just having more variation in combat itself. We're like, wow, I crit that guy that felt really good. Um, like just creating memories at all, um, even if some of them are negative, I think is, is legitimately okay to defend. Um, again, I'm not ultra married to random crit chance, but I, I think crit chance is a much better feeling mechanic than Ash passive, like by a lot. Um, even if it's more RNG and you can get unlucky, I think much more satisfying to interact with. Mm. And, and, and the way crit works, right, is that if you don't crit, you have a higher chance of the next crit and then it balances itself yeah. out always if, over time. If you're autoing champions, it's going to roll you towards your baseline crit chance. Mm. Um, I think it's still possible to get, I, I don't know, I haven't looked at the code. I, didn't, I don't have access to the code, to be fair. Mm. Um, I don't know where it's even stored, but um, yeah, like the, it is, it is pseudo random in PvP crits. Okay, okay. Yeah, I know the Trindamir is always leverage this. They, they punch the minions, and yeah. then yep. after they didn't crit, they roll in, and then they have a higher chance. Which but is... it, doesn't, it doesn't stack on minions. Oh, really? It okay. specifically does not stack on minions, yeah. So, so at least the way it was like, you, it just sort of rolled you up, and then people would actually try to convert crit from minions to there. But specifically, because I, I know the designer who worked on it, um, I remember he actually talked to me about this. I was like, do you know how to math this out? Like, what, like, the right kind of formula? I was like, I'm not good enough math for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, when this got added like 2013 or something, um, he like specifically it only amps in PvP combat. Oh, you, you okay, cannot okay. in PvE. Oh, maybe it's just once again my my anecdotal evidence. Sure. <laughs> or it got changed somehow, right? But the designer who implemented the system in the first place specifically made it PvP only. Okay, because I, I remember a lot of Trindamers leveraged this, but maybe it was sure. just luck and my yeah. my own experience. I mean, it, it's worth the... noting that if you attack minions, much people rage and factually have higher crit chance, right? Like. Yeah. That is just how his champion works. Yes, yes, that's uh, that's that's true. I agree. Uh, League of Legends. Like I tried to think of what what is RNG in League, and I could only think of the Drakes. I could only think of Crit. I could think of yeah. Zoe Bubbles. Uh, oh sure, yeah, she can get and 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 to be fair, like the really abusive ones were like this is bad for the game, and like she doesn't get level five TP anymore, right? Yes, yes. Um, like there are some things that are like oh yeah, this is. This is way too much, right? So, yeah, like, there, yeah. there clearly is some level of tolerance, right? Mm. And I didn't work on any of that stuff, right? I've, I've never designed done any design changes for Zoe, but like, they have removed things from the pool, right? Because it's like this is this is level of tolerance. So, um, you know, there is an eye to it. Mm. 
I, I wanted to ask you, because you mentioned yourself, like you mentioned what your vi ideal vision of how pro play would look like, where there's, mm. you know, identities and, you know, you, you yeah. have that level of exploration of what players, uh, teams could play and how different they could be. Uh, is there some, is there like a mission state? Is it like a goal that uh, the whole design team has that you're trying to follow through? Is it like some pillars that you're trying to follow through with every decision that you make that underlines um, everything? I'm not sure. Um, maybe there is like a document somewhere. I haven't read it. If there is, um, I mean, in general, it, it's there, there's a bunch of uh, you know, like the game better. I, so, so to be clear, there there are a bunch of pillars for like gameplay on League of Legends as a whole, right? Mm. Of of you know make, making good experiences. You you know the game being balanced is important. Um, you know, like there there are generically there are values, right? Um, I don't know if there are values specific to how game balance is done on League of Legends. Um, like on a, on a more like sort of sub goal level. Um, Again, there are things that I consider valuable, like the abilities you max should make sense, and mm. um, you know having some amount of of choice in what items you build. Uh, even if players don't think there is choice, there's often a lot more choice people give credit for. That's the weird thing is people don't think they have room, but th there's a lot of room. Uh, you know, runes, items, things like that, summoner spells. Um, I mean, how long has it taken eighty carries to stop running heal when like clearly cleanse ghost, <laughs> you know, exhaust are actually all really good viable options, and people just like ran heal for eighteen years straight. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, it's like you literally have supports who build healed and shield power items yes, yes. and you're still making them run exhaust and you're running heal. Like <laughs> at a certain point, 2017 was like the obvious point where it's like, you stop doing this. Come on, let let the Sona run heal. Mm. Um, minor stuff there. Like why is Sona running Ignite? Don't you want the last hit? Just like switch summoner spells. Anyway, mm. um, so, you know, the, the, I, you know, I really value choice and whatnot. Um, I think there is room for having like a big discussion on, um, you know, if we want to do. I, I, I will say that I've certainly gotten pushback in front of times where it's like, oh, hey, you know, we could nerf Twitch here. His win rate's pretty high. We could nerf Ash here. She's pretty popular in pro play. Mm -hmm. But the, the question brought back is, okay, well, then who should be the most popular pick then, right? Or should we just play Whack-A-Mole forever with every time someone's the number one pro pick? Just like, mm -hmm. well, Rise number one this patch, bonk. Oh, Lucian number one this patch, bonk. Or it's like, well, Lucian as the highest prior AD carry, it would be more interesting than Sivir as the highest prior AD carry. Mm. Um, because at least he creates action, right? If you first pick Lucian, you must be trying to get lane pressure and take Drakes and and like do things. And he's really flashy in team fights. Um, okay, Sivir's ideal gameplay is nothing happens and then show up with three items, um, right? Like, and so Sivir's area is a very safe. You talked about this on your stream a little bit ago. Um, like Sivir's area is a pretty safe lane. Where it's like, yep, we're gonna go low volatility and scale. And I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, so bot lane is no action. Sports gonna roam mid. Okay, well, bot lane is no action. Okay, uh, so top lane is Orn versus Scion. Okay, so top lane can have no action. No one's going to do that. Okay, cool. So then there's Azir versus Corky. Okay, so I'll see you in 25 minutes with team fights. Right? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, okay, well, may maybe maybe that's not a very good pro meta, right? Um, whereas, like, oh, yeah, it's Lucian. It's Akali Silas. It's, like, Renekton Jax. It's, it's you know, Sejuani Vi. Like, oh, all these champs want action. Hmm. That's a much better pro meta than what I just talked about two minutes ago, right? So in a world where, you know, we're like, no, we're not going to whack-a-mole. It's like, I think it's okay if Renekton is 70% presence in pro for the rest of time. Um, mm. Now, is he the literal best pro champion? No. But Renekton wants to create action. He wants to tower dive. He wants to run to objectives. He wants to go fight. And he puts his team on a clock. Um, and so, like, I would much rather 80% presence Renekton than 80% presence Orn. Mm. Because Orn's little gameplay is, okay, he's a good laner, but, like, nothing happens. And then I upgrade your items when we team fight. Yes, it's yes. like, nope, that... That's fine if it's viable. Like, I'm super down for Orn to be viable. Um, TSM, I'm sure, really likes that they have, like, you know, takes to play in the top lane. Um, but, like, again, I want a variety. I want if you're, you know, going to play weak side into YSKM or the Shire or something, 
Um, then like, okay, I'm gonna play Scion. You're gonna play Fjord and Style on me, but I'm not gonna play Jax, I'm not gonna win. I'm gonna play Scion, it's going to be at least passable. And I will lose my tower and I will lose first Herald, but at least I can team fight. Hmm. And like, as long as that's available to you, great. Right, good job. Um, you know, as long as you have, you know, the variety of playstyles are out there, good. I think, you know, I would bias towards aggression being good. I would much rather a Renekton Jax meta than, or Renekton Fiora or Jace Fiora or whatever, yes, than, yes. Um, than Orin Scion again, to be clear. I, I'm actually kind of quite glad that Gragas is AP Gragas, because mm. I remember the Scion Gragas meta from last year, and it was tank <laughs> Gragas, and it was a really, really boring top lane, and nothing happened there. Yes, yes. Um, and they just showed up in teamfights. Um, so, so, yeah, like, uh, in a lot of these, these places, like, I actually quite liked the world's meta. And even though it was a Kali's house every game, they're both aggressive champions, which meant that like at least good things, cool things happen at a mid lane. Um, and enchanters are largely lane bullies. Uh, just playing, you know, you, um, Zeri stuff, but Yumi was banned pretty much the entire time. So it was mostly lane bully enchanters instead. And so stuff happened. Um, and so, you know, largely that's right. If, if, if we're going to get it wrong, I would like to get it wrong on the, on the side of aggressive things are good. And if it, like we're in a full aggro pro meta, that's much less urgent than full tank pro meta. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense, yeah. I, I feel like I I, I understand from, from the coaching side, I can mm -hmm. relate to the issue of playing Whack-A-Mole because I got a lot of <laughs> yeah. flack. I got a lot of flack for not banning Yumi. But what mm -hmm. a lot of all of the fans out, outside of the team didn't understand was that if we banned Yumi, we just didn't have an answer into Lushanami. And that yep. would have been a lot worse. <laughs> so I got a lot of shit for, for the Yumi thing, but yep. opening Yumi allowed us to secure Lucian Nami, which was our strongest uh, champions in, in yep. our context. And if, yep. if the enemy opened Lucian and we banned Yumi, we just couldn't play Lulu on the patch. And that was like our weakness. Right. So we opened sure. Yumi just to uh, be in a position yep. that uh, might be bad, in theory, but what was behind that door was just way worse. So I can definitely relate to the, the idea of, of playing whack-a-mole that if these get banned, maybe the next thing, as, as mentioned before, is like, I, I wanted Ash, I, I mentioned that I wanted Ash Caitlyn to be nerfed, but then maybe Draven is going to dominate and then he's going to be the guy and then yeah. it will go in, in, in circles. I can, I can definitely uh, see that yeah. for sure. It's not that Draven's a bad pro play champion. He's actually really cool, and I'm glad. Mm. Like, I'm glad Draven is out there, at like 25% presence or whatever. I think he's lower than that. But I haven't looked recently. Um, but yeah, it's like as long as the counter exists, and we can go in circles, and some teams, you know, are good at tanks, and some teams aren't, and then it feels okay. Like that's really my goal, right? Like I would really, really love, and I don't think we've really ever gotten to this point um, long term. But like, it would be really, really cool if again we just have teams with a bunch of different play styles and they just play really different champions because we're good at. And it's like, yes, people actually believe that Graves, Sejuani, and Vi all have the same power level. Mm. And Team A, their jungle's really good at Graves, and Team B, their jungle's really good at Vi. And it's like, well, they're not going to pick each other's champion because that's their power level. And it's like, mm. okay, great. Like, that'd be the ideal. Yes, yes. I don't know if we'll get there, but it'd be cool. I, 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 I can also, like, I, I also wanted to, to mention, because you, you, you talked about how, like, how range versus melee and how it interacts in terms of... Uh, the, the power budget, always when I have explored the idea of how to approach fights, I feel like the, the generally speaking, I feel like the, the power budget always kind of makes sense in terms of champions. It's like uh, when you have the, the, the longer the range you have, the weaker you are in, in close range combat and, and, and these elements. Yeah. I, I really like that fact about uh, League of Legends. I think that's, I, I, I think it's, it's really fun to to talk about the concept of how you set up fights and how you prepare for fights because I think that there is a very obvious red line in in, in champion design. I feel 
I, I think that's yeah. that's super cool. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm curious how the world would look like because I'm curious how the world would look like now because Gale Force was added into the game because mobility became something that was more and more common, which sure. brings me to this world. What would happen in a world where like Flash wouldn't exist? And it mm. brings, it brings me back to the, the 500 gold crab thing. It just gets my, right, my yeah. mind excited, you know? And I, yeah, I wonder, I wonder if there's some, some game modes that could be very interesting for people like us <laughs> that, so, that are hiding behind this, you know? So I think, I think Flash is actually really good for the game. Um, mm. this actually goes back to in, in uh, re-adding variants. So the fact that Flash is a five-minute cooldown um, means that um, one in, we'll say one in five fights has Flash involved and the other four don't. Yes, um, yes. Uh, obviously in pro play, it's like 80% of fights have Flash involved because they fight less frequently. Mm. Um, but like, you know, th you think about like, hey, what does Alistair do against Karma level one in a bot lane? And it's literally nothing unless he has a jungler and he Flash pulverizes. Otherwise, there's no gameplay. He has nothing he can do. But yes, if he's willing yes. to Flash pulverize, then you have exactly one window where you get to do a really cool play, and it's like, yeah, Lee Sin level 2 ganked you. Actually, we're fighting the middle of the second wave, and I flash pulverized you, and Lee Sin landed Q. Um, variants, right? Um, and in most games, Carver doesn't care about this. And now he's down flash. And of course, now Hex Flash exists, but you know, now he, like, he has to channel in a brush without being seen, otherwise they back up and he wastes the 20 second cooldown. Mm. Um, but like, without flash, this is deterministic. There is nothing you can do, skill impressive at all. Alistair does not have any game he can play until he gets, yes, yes. Until he gets headbutt. Um, and then now you just play 800 range. And it's like, okay, as long as we're outside of headbutt range, you can't do anything. Nothing can happen ever. We will never die. Nothing's going to happen. Um, but if he's willing to flash and pulverize you or whatever, like, you know, oh, he headbutts a minion, flash pulverizes you, and now at least he's here. It's like, oh, variants. Um, so uh, I'm actually a pretty big fan of, like, long cooldown big effects. I think Ultimate's really good for this as well, hmm. where um, you, just, you just don't want the game you know, something can surprise you, something can happen, and that's really, really valuable. It's what's cool about skill shots. Um, you know, I think you know, we do have some, like, targeted stuns. Uh, that are, you know, you look at Violet, you look at Malzolt, things like that, like, they're really, really strong, and, and they're really, really reliable. Um, but most things aren't, and that's, like, a good thing. I mean, even Vi, it's like, oh, we picked Zaya into it, or Morgana, and so we can block Shield or Dog or whatever, and now Violet is actually unreliable, and, like, oh, that's interesting, it's to, like, make choices. Mm. Um, so, so, yeah, in terms of, like, oh, what if there's less mobility with no Flash? Um, you have a much flatter experience, where yes, it's yes. like, oh, we can't win, it's not playable anymore, uh, you know, they have tank, we don't, it can't be won, but it's like, oh, no, we have an Akali who TP flanked. Um, and so she got behind the lines and she created essentially variants because she's actually not fighting past the Malphite or the Orn or whatever. She She's directly on top of Ash, and so that champion is dead. Um, and and there's a certain amount of baseline you want to have. You know, you don't want a Clown Fiesta, right? I think this is this needs to be in, in pretty constant tension. There, there has to be some level of structure. It's why any phase is good. It's why I think there are probably slightly too many ganks right now, is that there's too much variance in top lane and bot lane. Mid lane, I think, feels relatively safe. Um, but it's like, yeah, what if, like, imagine if all turrets were 300 units forwards, and so you're much less diveable. Or imagine oh, all wow. turrets do double damage. <laughs> or imagine, imagine jungle camps spawn 20 seconds later um, so that you can't leash them, and, uh, you know, their, their gank is 20 seconds later. So, you're, like, you're for sure level 3 by the time the jungle shows up. Um, I think like, oh, jungle is going to gank you level 1 and then do camps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then go to a camp. Right, so, like, you know, you have to be careful about that, right? Just switch shows up and just, you know, ganks your Akali from stealth. So, you know, there's... the. It, you don't have a lot of leverage there, right? There's only so much you can move. Mm. Um, but like, right, junglers in, in introduce variants, you know, d um, having mobility skills that snap your fingers increases variants. Um, having having skill shots that can miss and not from RNG, but because you missed or they dodged or whatever. Um, like that's really, really good for the game mm. uh, because you don't want to be deterministic, right? You want games where it's like, okay, we're losing, like, we're fine, but like all the damage skills are non-targeted and there's fog of war. So 
maybe we're gonna go to Gankoff. Maybe we sneak Baron. Maybe Vi doesn't flash the thing in time. You know, like that's really, really valuable. Hmm. Okay, okay. I wanted to get your take on like that. There's this. Uh, there's this. Uh, length of text on abilities creep mm. <laughs> with each champion's oh, sure, released okay. and in my mind i think it's it kind of makes sense because you want to release interesting champions it's like Aurelion soul super excited yeah, i played two normal games that's all the time mm. i had to play Aurelion soul and i had so much fucking fun it's like when yeah. i when I, I i really love the game i had a lot of fun i don't have this uh, nihilistic uh, view that sometimes the community yeah. has as a sentiment in on sure. on, on the social media whatever i i love the game i had a lot of fun with early on so so i i understand trying to create very interesting champions to play yeah. but what is what is what is your take on this it's like that the whole um, text creep sure. so to speak yeah sure 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 i mean so i think you're probably on whole right that there is text creep in the game but also that's like 75th in line of things that matter about how good video games are mm. um so I think it's different if you're, uh, well, I guess I'll say like, hey, what does Relian Soul Q do? Like, like in your own words, what does Relian Soul Q do? This is fucking breeds fire. <laughs> Great. Cool. There's the ability. Doesn't matter how long the paragraph was. True. He breathes fire, hits the first guy. It like ticks for damage, I guess, a couple of times, but like he breathes fire in a line. Congratulations. Yeah. If the tool that read he, a Relian Soul breathes fire in a line. You'd be like, yeah, that's the ability. And you hold shift, <laughs> there's a paragraph of like what it scales off of, but like, like playing as playing against Aurelian Soul, I know what Aurelian Soul Q does. Mm. His W, I fly. I, I fly that way. Mm. Alright, that's W. That's that's one sentence. You know, like I, I, who cares? You know, uh, you know what's Kasate Q? Oh, it's it's Yasuo Q. Like Kasate Q is Yasuo Q, except that the tornado flings you backwards. Okay, like you know, I, I think that can get really awkward when you have like actually complex abilities where it's like, hey, what does Rel E do? Rel E picks a target, then it goes on cool, and you cast it, again, and then people around the target and the line just gets oh. Yeah, well, it's kind of tough, right? <laughs> I don't know how long your tool actually is, to be clear, but like, Rally is actually way more complicated than I breathe fire in a line. Mm. Um, I don't know which one has a longer pa uh, paragraph on the tooltip. It actually might be Aurelian's, <laughs> right? But like, does it matter? No. Um, so that's, so that's I think, I think it's just fair. like not that important. It's easy to right? And, and for sure, I think like, hey, if kits get overloaded, and I think what's, what's kind of actually happening is I think, I, I, again, very broad strokes, like maybe we slightly don't fully appreciate like the high movement speed of some of our dashes so like Aurelia is way better at dashing than Yasuo but like when Yasuo came out in like 2014 or whatever it's like what he has infinite dashes on a 0.5 second cooldown <laughs> it's like and then of course we have Aurelia who you know her rear was a couple years ago and it's like well as long as it can last at the minion which to be fair is a specific ask it's at a certain mm -hmm. damage point and yeah you can zip around and do cool things um but also the move speed on that dash is like twice as fast as Yasuo's the range is like three times as high as Yasuo's. Um, and, and she can, you know, pretty much free target to an enemy champion when she needs to, but then it goes on cooldown. Um, it's like, well, is the range too high? Is the speed too high? And maybe, maybe the answer is no to both those things, but it's like, okay, well, champs have gotten faster. Okay, sure. Um, you know, the fact that Irelia has a meaningful reset mechanic, and to be fair, Irelia, like initial Irelia Q has existed since 2012 or whatever, right? Or 2011 or something. So it's not like it's even that different, but like, it's faster post rework. Uh, I don't know about the range difference, but like, um, it, you know, there's certainly more rules there than, you know, Yasuo E, where it's like P dash forward, a straight line, is a certain amount, a certain speed. Um, but okay, yeah, maybe, maybe the game has gotten more complex. But the game getting more complex is maybe correct. Like, yeah. may, maybe League is actually at its best when it is a more complex game and there's more going on in the abilities. I mean, you know, we don't release a lot of Garens and Annies out there. I mean, Annie E got her update and, it, and really the only change was that E reflects damage on spells now. But they're like, yeah, cool, great. 
Thanks. And I mean, it adds a line of, of rules text to the E, right? It now applies on spells and only applies once per spell. There's actually two, two lines of text, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it applies once per champion, I guess, to be fair, instead of every single time. Um, but those are the only, like, the fact that Tibbers scales durability off of AP is like, that doesn't matter. Like, that, that's, that's not functionally rules, right? That you, don't, you don't have to learn anything to, to learn that ability. Um, but like, okay, modernizing it actually kind of helps a little bit. That's probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, great. Um, Again, Aurelian Soul is is pretty straightforward. His E is infinite stacks, his ability scale with that. Um, I guess his R sometimes converts. Okay, he has two R's kind of. Like, okay, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of complexity. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm kind of like circling a very large point. I've given a ton of thought to. Yes, like, yes. I think we probably have more complexity with time. I think it's maybe an okay thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think calling out paragraph length is is probably not the right way of, of calling that out. I think if you're like, Axe's ability does three unique different things. That's a like that's a more reasonable Reddit thread than look how long the tooltips are on the lol wiki. Mm. No, I, I think that's that's perfectly fair. Yeah, I, I love the point about uh, Aurelian Soul Q. I, I think that's yep. that's perfect. I, I, I think visual clarity as well. I think is 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 also so important. And I think Aurelian mm-hmm. Soul has. I think everything is very very visually obvious. And I think that right. in comparison, League in comparison to other games, I think has done a good job of of, of maintaining visual clarity. Okay. I think most of the time. Like sometimes when I watch other games, I think it's whoa. I, like often I'm asking myself when when people complain about certain things, what are they comparing to? It's like especially when yeah, sure. it comes to balance. I think balance. If I think about some other games, it's like that game gets one patch every six months, and uh, mm-hmm. one gun is dominating the meta forever, and everyone's complaining mm-hmm. about it, and nothing is moving. Like I've I've seen those games, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm sure. very happy about League of Legends balance. I I, yeah. I think uh, that the team has done a, a wonderful job. I, yeah, I'm glad. Thanks. I, I I wanted to ask you, in now because because you of course you, you have uh, this vast library in your mind. In 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 your mind, w- when you think back of past seasons, what was what was peak meta for you? I don't know. Uh, what's interesting for me is um, I actually thought about this earlier either today or yesterday. Because uh, either way, um, I don't have a strong feeling of what was like ideal i certainly really really liked last year's worlds because i think you know as far as an esports tournament it was a pretty aggressive meta game there was a really good amount of variety Mm. um you know most roles were played pretty aggressively which is generally a good thing like kills were pretty high if i recall correctly and again champ variety is really really good so um in general that works pretty well for me um i am i always like being able to identify things that are broken and get to use them before everyone else does so like i was on the ardens or hype train before other people were Mm. um so 2017 i think was the year like i was spamming relic shield sivir in 2017 like spring split Mm. and like i would have choices around like oh when would i upgrade to tier two would i ever go tier three what was i buying but it's like literally every game before any of the projects are doing it i was relic shield silver every game Mm. um and um you know i've been willing to play a bunch of mages in the bot lane um i've been playing a mumu jungle a fair bit and you know now we're seeing it in pro play a little bit we saw it in lc today we saw it in lcs last two weeks um, but it's like Mimu's been actually a pretty good jungler for a while. And it's like, yeah, you go Demonic Embrace. Demonic is a really, really good item. You just mm. build this. It's fine. Um, um, you know, just identifying like good counter picks and good champion picks. Like, hey, I'm playing a bunch of Twitch right now. And Twitch's banner is growing because he's a, a like jungle support AD carry mid flex pick and actually quite strong in most of those roles. Mm. Um, but like, I was getting him for a while. Um, during like the entirety of 13.1, I was getting a ton of Maokai games in before everyone else realized they should be banning him and he was the best champion. Like They were on the Kassadin train, but they weren't on the Maokai train yet. They were on the Kassadin Zac train. Um, and so, you know, I just like being ahead of the meta. It's just kind of fun for me. So, you know, finding things for you. I, I, the longest that was understanding the art center was just 
absurdly broken and I can just go relic shield every game. Um, so like, you know, selfishly, that was that was a good one for me uh, <laughs> because I just got to abuse stuff. Um, I would say, you know, I really, really liked getting a multi for the first time and playing around that stuff. Like that was really, really enjoyable. Mm. That was the, the last big shakeup I can remember. I mean, like seasons passed and I'm like, okay, we got trinkets in 2014. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I don't know what we got seasonally outside of like elemental drakes and trinkets and then mythic items. Like I can't think of off the top of my head, like what were the big seasonal updates in not those years um, that were like, oh, the overall game is different now because, you know, this, this rules change now exists. Um, so, you know, that's just that that always sparks my interest is having some new rules play around, having to like figure out the game again. Mm. And then if I can be first, that feels really good. No, no, I'm I, I am exactly the same. It's like I, nice. I also try to think back of of like the time where I enjoyed myself the most, but I feel mm. I'm just in tune with what's going on and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And yeah. if I think of myself, when I, do I feel the most excited is when I know the least. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's like this, it, really this exploration and then there's like yeah. almost this race to, 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 to find yeah. uh, a way to break the game. I, I think that's always been super, super uh, interesting for sure. Yeah. It, it's what's felt really good about um, game design so far is uh, looking at day one of the patch and seeing player behavior changes. So like uh, my first patch, I buffed Axiomark. And like looking at Nocturne in like 12.23 uh, or 24, whatever, and it's like, oh, Axiomark is his like fifth most popular first item and his fourth most popular second item. Mm-hmm. And then in 13.1, it's his most popular second item. And it's like, cool, a bunch of Nocturne players went, I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got players to try something new. That's awesome. And they didn't all stick around with it, right? But like the item got stronger and he had some builds going on, like, but they did it. Um, and the support buffs that came in just a couple days ago, like, Top lane Nautilus and Alistair's pick rates like quadrupled. Um, it's not very good in either case, but like a bunch of people like went to go try it. They're like, mm-hmm. I want to try Wizard Cow. I want to try, you know, Wizard Anchorman. Um, and again, they're not very strong, but that's okay. Um, but like seeing Thresh's pick rate go up, seeing, you know, Rakan's pick rate grow up and Brahm's pick rate grow up. And I was like, yeah, cool. People went to go play a new thing. I got to provide them a little bit of like, they're going to go do this thing now. I think it's really, really cool. So uh, I actually really like these like low scope champion changes kind of as content. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like, oh, cool! I want to go play the new thing, um, and so that's that's kind of it's something that that like drives me a lot. Is like, oh, can I can I make this fun and like exciting to go try out? No, I I, I love that approach. That sounds perfect, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's 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 fun. Is is there anything that you've monitored? Like maybe you can't spoil it, right? Uh, like, no. Is there anything you've monitored that is like really low play rate and it's like on the on the cusp of, you know, we're, we, we have to make sure that people play this. This champion is good, but no one's playing it. This champion is fun, but no one's playing it. Is sure. it something like that? Um, so there's certainly, like, if, if we think it's fun, but no one's playing it, that means it's probably not very fun. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's kind of the TLDR there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it, yeah, what you're talking about is, you know, power versus, you know, pick rate, basically, is, is a pretty good indicator of, um, hey, maybe we should consider a mid-scope update. Right. So like Aurelian okay. Soul has been strong for his entire life. Like mm. he's always been high win rate. Um, it's not just because only Banes play him. That's a that's that's a lie. Um, like Katarina and Yasuo have way more like main percentage than Aurelian Soul does. Uh, Riven's up there too, for example. Zyra's really up there. A bunch of other champions that have way more than this than Aurelian Soul. Like pick rate, pick rate is not mastery rate. I want to be really clear about this. Um, but yeah, so Aurelian Soul's been strong forever. Um, he's been a really cool concept forever, but ultimately players didn't really like playing Orbiting Sunfire Cape. 
Um, and so he breathes fire instead, which is way cooler, right? Um, I mean, TLDR, right? His iconic ability was I have these balls that surround me, and it's just yes. like, unfortunately, it just wasn't something that people really, really liked. The, the idea is really cool. Oh, I am a star? Like, things orbit me. Like, the flavor of that is awesome, right? Mm. Like, literally, things are in my orbit because I'm that that big mm. is, is a really cool thing. Unfortunately, they didn't really translate well into gameplay because it's really, really low agency. I wait for the circle to come around is unfortunately not a compelling gameplay hook. Um, and in another world, maybe, you know, if, if we had what we know now back then, we would have been like, well, unfortunately, this gameplay isn't working. Let's delay him. Let's find a new gameplay hook, you know, move on from there, whatever. Um, either way, New Aurelian Soul still flies around the map. He still forges stars. He still has somewhat kind of similar abilities. Um, but he breathes fire. It's like, that's way more dragony than I wait for the, the balls to come around, right? I literally breathe fire and I breathe fire while flying. Um, oh, way cooler. Oh, I throw a comet onto the ground. Yeah, way cooler, right? So, um, you know, even though you kind of just like swapped where you are, like, I mean, aside from deleting his old W, it's like, it's kind of the same abilities. Um, you know, you could, you could almost reuse all the art assets and have that champion, you know? But with assets, like, oh, way cooler champion. You did it. Good job. Um, you know, Annie is in a boat where, like, all they really did was say, like, look, your tippers will actually scale with ability power a bit, and he'll move, his moveset will scale a little bit with, uh, with rank. And your shield is going to be, like, way more consistent because it'll work on the little lane opponents you're against because when they cast spells on you, it'll, it'll return damage. And, okay, she was overpowered, but, like, congratulations. You did a lot for people wanting to play Annie again. Um, some relatively simple changes. I was like, yeah, good job. Like, that's really cool. Um, I want to revitalize Rumble by making him a good top laner again. And, you know, uh, making him less of a, well, I level six dragon fight, the champion. Um... And, and, you know, we'll see if it's good or not. It's, I don't think it's, like, as, as big as Aurelian Solar Annie or anything, but if it, if it goes well, then, you know, hopefully Rumble Main's going to be happy and we're going to double his pick rate and that'll be really cool and he gets to be a good top winner again. Um, like, that would be great because that would be, you know, really gratifying it happened. Um, right? 80 carries. Uh, we knew we're actually strong um, and, like, weren't actually weak, but players were like, this role sucks and no one wants to play it. And, <laughs> except in High Elo where they have the mechanics to kite well. Hmm. And it's like, okay, well, if people can't kite well... I can let you opt into durability. Like, I'm not very good at the game, so I can buy Bloodthirster and get Overheal. Okay, great. Like, go for it, right? That should help you feel better against Renekton diving you. Um, and, you know, there's a bunch of much scarier changes that, like, maybe won't pan out. Uh, but, like, right, how do I make things more fun without making them more powerful? Um, and it's like, I think it really still was great. I think Annie was great. I think IE Second certainly was power, but Satisfaction for Power was very good. Mm. Um, and so, you know, do, do, let's do those things. You know, how much can we do of that? So... Uh, yes, yeah, so like we're very we're very aware of like power does not match um, perception of power or does not match um, appetite, uh, and and finding ways to bring up appetite is is really important, hmm. and it's harder than just like make Kale weaker or you know make Cassidy weaker. That's very easy. Like Cassidy's changes took me very little time to ship, um, but like make Grumble more fun is a much more subjective thing and harder to do. For sure, for sure. No, I'm I'm, I'm very happy that that's. Like something that is important, you know. I, I think that's. Yeah. I also think it's important, so I'm I'm very happy that it's <laughs> important. Uh, I I wanted to ask you because you mentioned you mentioned Fallout. I I know that you have history mm -hmm. Warcraft three. What what yeah. are what are your main sources of uh, inspiration in other games? Mm. Like what what has shaped the mind of Freak? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I'm a huge huge RPG nerd. So I've played. I wouldn't say I've played everything, but like. Um, I mean, I, I was gaming in the nineties, right? I'm 35. Um, so yeah, original fallout series, um, special place for fallout tactics. Just shout out everyone who actually appreciates that game. Uh, what's cool <laughs> is actually the, the, the tech lead, oh, this is a random story. Uh, the tech lead of like 
either League of Legends or League of Legends gameplay, um, was an engineer on Fallout Tactics. Uh, and so okay. like he's he's like an ultra important <laughs> boss in terms of like how so like when when stuff was on fire and we were like trying to get the micro crash going from like the social engineering attack and 13.2 got canned, like he's the engineer in charge of like what are we even allowed to build? Um and like what are we allowed to ship and whatnot. Um and like he worked on one actually my favorite games. I actually really like Fallout. <laughs> um anyway, um but like I've spent so long looking at RPG systems because I've always been a big numbers nerd as well. So it's like, oh, how does Fallout 1, 2, Tactics 3, 4, New Vegas um you know, how do how do those handle character progression? How does Dungeons and Dragons do it? How does um, Baldur's Gate do it? How does uh, Divinity Original Sin do it? How does Mass Effect do it? How does Dragon Age do it? How does, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I just played so many of those systems. It's like, okay, cool. I have a really good, you know, and, and I've played some roguelikes, not a ton, uh, but like some Darkest Dungeon, Hades, things like that. Um, but it's, you know, I, it's interesting because I, I got really into character progression as like a system before it caught on to something that like went into like Assassin's Creed. Right, because before it was like, oh, the only thing with character progression are RPGs. And it's like you played Fallout, or you played like Halo, and just like you you just played Halo, right? Yes, yes. It's just, Here's your character, and you got guns, and like Doom, you got guns, but like, oh, Doom Eternal has like relics you pick up, and you like literally get powers. Mm. Uh, you get like character, you, you get, actually get like objective character progression. Yes, um, yes. Like the original Fear had like health vials, and you would like gain more max health over time and more bullet time duration. Um, and it's like, oh, okay, more games are are like roping character progression. What's nice about MOBAs is I mean, character progression is actually pretty core to how the game works. And what's nice is I've just played so many games where character progression is a, is a like, core part of how you play the game. But like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I have a really, really wide library of, of things I've played that have done character progression. And like, what I think works in a single player, like no time pressure, turn-based RPG um, with like static loot. What works in a game like League of Legends. Um, in general, I think actually we should make legendaries... Um, more simple but do specific things so like i think for example like void staff and death cap and lord dominic's regards are really 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 good items um because what they do is very obvious mm. um they don't require any more apm from you i think there's some value in having items you know be relatively flat across player skill but like yeah your your skill is not losing to boris um and it's like just buy the right thing not necessarily be good at using the thing i think there's room for active items right like gale force and, and whatnot and and zonias are very skill testing items that's fine it's not like a problem mm -hmm. um but like i also don't really want you to play a 10 button champion like i think that's probably too much um on average and like maybe you can opt into it and you know six item supports has mikhail's and locket and um zonias and we keep going from there um like maybe that's okay if you opt into the play style and that's all right but um you know, make, making items like, make a lot more sense. Like, hey, it would be nice if Abyssal Mask was strong enough to be worth buying because there's a lot of games where Abyssal Mask probably should make sense. Hmm. Um, where I'm supporting a double AP team comp and they have to add, you know, even though it's a very specific niche, that's a cool niche and the item is ideal here. Um, that's cool. Like, you know, choosing Maul or Wit's End um, or not, you know, when do I buy these things? Like, you know, ha having sharp stat profiles um, is actually a pretty good thing for choosing when I buy stuff. And I know that can be really weird when it's like, you know, you talked about tank items earlier, where it's like, well, I want the Sunfire Cape output. I want a Bombie Cinder, mm. and I, if I want to upgrade the Bombie Cinder, I have, to, I have to buy a Chain Vest. And it's like, well, okay, there's a strategic layer of, like, if I need Sunfire, okay, are they physical heavy or not? Um, or it's like, okay, well, I'm just playing Aurelia, and if Aurelia goes Wit's End or Ma or Death Stance, she's still Aurelia and, like, still functions no matter which one you build. But you're going to build them in different orders based on what you're against. And, like, is great, you're making choices, right? Um, and, you know, you're a bit different based on what you buy, right? Like, you're a bit better at team fighting on whole if you buy Death Dance, and you're uh, way more DPS if you buy Wit's End, but, like, 
okay, that's fine, but you're building because you're up against Silas, or you're building because you're up against Renekton. Um, and, you know, again, LDR existing and, and for carries, and do I buy shield bow and whatnot, like, you know, they do really obvious dumb things, um, and you're choosing, like, yes, I need this obvious dumb thing, I need durability, so I'm going shield bow, I need to kill Orn, so I'm building LDR, I need to, you know, whatever else this thing, like, you know, I think items work really well there in League, where they don't, they don't take up mindshare outside of making the pathing choice, and then giving players enough gold that they can make those choices three or four times. Um, and it's like, well, if I'm hardbound to always buying IE, that's one less choice. If I'm hardbound to always buying exactly one Mythic, that's one less choice. Ooh, I only get one item choice. You know, that can be tough. So, you know, you do want choice in all those areas. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I have actually never thought of MOBAs in the context of character progression uh, at all. But it, it, the, the way you you drew from it actually makes a lot of sense and you have very good taste in games i must say thanks uh, I've, yes I've, yeah. I've also <laughs> I, I definitely do <laughs> <laughs> like i grew up on playing uh, the first game i ever played which was probably not the best game to play as a child is it was diablo mm -hmm. one and then i played warcraft 2 i was like all of the blizzard games were, were like yeah. the games oh yeah same they were being played in my households and uh, then baldur's mm -hmm. gate was just a personal favorite it's like i i mm, played nice. that when i was 10 and i just nice. could never beat it but it was just so intriguing to yeah. <laughs> play yeah, those yeah, characters. Yeah. And the game was just so difficult for me. It just didn't make mm -hmm. any sense. And then sometimes, once a year, I come back to that game and then I just do a playthrough and uh, just nice. massacre everything just because I know yeah. that game inside out, you know? Nice, that's cool. <laughs> Wildest Gate is, is, is definitely amazing. I, I wanted to ask you, um, so I know that you have history in Warcraft 3. But mm -hmm. I'm 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 unsure what the history is. I, I remember seeing this picture like that you had a connection with uh, like did you cast with Monte Cristo at some point in Warcraft Three? Um, so so my Warcraft Three story basically is I I played I got good around the time Frozen Throne launched. I was I like semi pro mm -hmm. around like freshman year of college. So I played in a World Championship. I got oh, fifth. Shit. Um, there's there's a deep meme of being top five world. Um, that's not really accurate, uh, but like I, I tied for fifth in a world championship right after another player got memed for calling himself top eight in North America. Okay. Um, he wasn't. And so like that I, it carried over. And so top five world is a very, very niche <laughs> meme um, for me. I, I think I think realistically, um, like I don't think I'd be like an all time like top 30 player. But like when I was at my best, I was probably top like about top 30 players in the world. Um, and I was like the best night elf player outside of Europe and Asia, which like it's the Americas and Australia, mm. but it was still true. Um, so like I was, I was good, not, not amazing. Right. Um, and so I was on um, for like the largest parts of my career. I was on a team called verge gaming. Okay. Um, and the team manager, like we did like, sort of like organize the Warcraft three team, like, Oh, here's when the matches are and whatnot. Um, that was Monte Cristo. Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> He ran like virtual efforts um, on the Warcraft 3 team I was on. Um, I don't remember if we ever cast Warcraft 3 together. Um, I didn't do a lot of in-person Warcraft 3 casting gigs. I did two or three. I cast a world championship. I cast um, a regional qualifier. Um, maybe one of them was with Monty. I can't remember. Like I did the EWC Grand Finals in San Jose. And I... I don't remember who I was casting with there. I remember casting um, like one of the world championships, uh, and I cast that with uh, Bunny, who at least last I checked was a producer in at Blizzard um, and okay. has been for a while. Um, I cast a like a regional qualifier for one of the world championships that I think was solo. 
Um, so, uh, and I think those were the only like three professional casting mm-hmm. Everybody else was like, oh, I just did it online in my bedroom okay. um, on, on a fan site uh, that I can recall anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm forgetting. Um, I, oh, I got the phone to Korea to do casting or something. Maybe that was with him. I don't remember. Um, I, yeah, maybe. Like, uh, but, you know, there, there was some sporadic work. I, I don't remember who I was casting with at every point in time. Yes, yes. Um, but but yeah, anyway, we knew each other from Warcraft 3. Because uh, I don't know why, but I have like a really vague memory of like a picture of the two of you together, which which could be like completely we fabricated cast, in we my We cast mind. Uh, League of Legends at um, MLG like 2012-ish or something. Okay. Um, so like he was he was there as a caster, um, you know, relatively early on in, in, in League's mm. history. Um, but I don't know if I've cast Warcraft 3 with him. Okay, okay. No, my, my biggest achievement in Dwarf of Three World was to get smashed by Grubby in a, in a qualifier. Oh, nice! That was that. I have also yay. lost to Grubby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm like zero and three against Grubby in official matches. I, I don't think I've ever had like a higher heart rate than in that match. <laughs> like I was. <laughs> like these the the RTSs are very lonely mm-hmm. games, and they become they very are dark and grim yeah. quick when you make yeah. mistakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, my understanding, because uh, Blizzard had talked about this in public post back in the day, that like random teams was a like, way more popular queue than solo. Mm. The vast majority of players played played RT. That makes sense, actually. Yeah. Yep. As, yeah. As, People as... don't actually play them any one v one games and haven't for a <laughs> really long time. Even even really hardcore games like you know StarCraft, Warcraft. It's like people actually just want to play team games. I, I've in tri- general, it's it, it's like I've tried to get back into Warcraft Three. And mm-hmm. people have gotten so much better, it's scary. You oh, know? I believe it. It's like when yeah. when communities get to fester and you have just a small group of people keep playing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. advance the strategies. And I just, I thought I was good. I come back, I, it's like, you know, you, you jump into it and I just got yep. smashed on cooldown. It's uh, it's, it's yep. crazy how that happens in, in, in games. It happened as well with Heroes of Might and Magic 3. That's also a game that I love. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, I tried, there's this uh, modded version of it called uh, Horn of the Abyss. And then it's like a thousand players online. You queue up for the solo queue system they've built in it, and they are just—they've mm-hmm. solved the game on a whole nother <laughs> level that I oh, couldn't, can't even begin to perceive. Sure. <laughs> and it's, it's it's very fun to see uh, that kind of grow. Um, I'm mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's going to be League of Legends in like eighty years. You know, I'm gonna queue up for a game, and then there's maybe maybe League of Legends still exists, but then uh, maybe I queue yeah. up for a game. God bless yeah. if I survive to 107. That would be amazing. Great. And, and yeah. then I queue up for a League game, and then maybe there's a thousand players that uh, are still there and they've figured out strategies that are mind blowing yeah. to me. And then uh, yeah. that will be a, my you mean a hundred million players still there. <laughs> League is forever. That's the plan, right? That's yeah. That, that is the plan, oh. right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. Like, like, Riot really, really likes League, right? Mm. Like, it's 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 still very much a game that you know they're they're really invested in, and we're I mean we're trying to make the best game we can still. So it's like, yeah, I mean, league's really important. Mm. Yeah. I've been very blessed that that game that the game has developed the way it did. When, yeah. when I wanted to ask you, uh, like, mm-hmm. so so it was Warcraft Three. How was the transition for you into into Riot Games? Like, how did everything? Mm. Like, what was what was the first call? Like, yo. <laughs> How how was oh, the sure. connection made? Uh, yeah, so um, I heard about League of Legends while I was at Warcraft Three. You know, doing some like Dota, just like as a it's just a game I play. Um, mm. And I was like, oh, cool! Like, I think there's still a post from me on like WC replays, which is like, um, uh, oh, that that yeah, it'd be cool to have Dota with matchmaking and stuff like that. That's a good idea, you know, like. <laughs> 
that, that was like the League of Legends last Heroes of New Earth. Like, yeah, that would be nice to not have to, you know, rely on TDA to get games together. Mm. Um, uh, and so, uh, as it turns out, uh, we'll bring up Monte Cristo again. His roommate at college um, was a, like, did some games journalism. And so I met him um, at, like, an event I was contacted to cast. Um, it was like WCG USA, I don't know, pick a year. Um, and I was there to cast like Command and Conquer and Warcraft 3 or something like that. Okay. Um, and so like he gave, we did an interview because like StarCraft 2 was like going to be coming out eventually. Um, like it was finally announced at that point. And so we like interviewed about Warcraft 3 and whatever else. And he knew who I was because like just, just kind of knew who I was via like he played some Warcraft 3. And, and again, his, his roommate was the team manager. Um, and so we stayed in touch. And so he got me into the league beta um, like during not the super earliest wave, but like relatively early into league closed beta. Um, and played the game a bunch. Um, and then over the course of time, like we kept in touch, whatever. And he urged me to apply to an internship at Riot. Um, I landed a community internship in 2009. Uh, I dropped out of college and I interned for about six months in 2010. Um, and yeah, it was just like, I sent an application. He made sure that the application was actually seen. Um, I interviewed in person because I was in college in San Diego, so it was a pretty short drive to you know go up to LA and mm. and hang out for a bit. Um, and and um, yeah, I mean, I was really really good at League. I was I was you know top five. I was top five on the ladder at one of the beta cutoffs, and then I was um, number two at the ladder the next time they posted rankings. Mm. Um, and then I won my next game and was rank one. Um, so it was a really 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 good League player. And you know, yeah, like a friend urged me to apply to the company, and I basically interviewed and uh, talked about how I had a lot of experience doing audio commentaries, these like sort of gameplay, mm. you know, VOD review type things. Uh, you know, back in the pre-YouTube era, you'd you'd zip up an MP3 and a replay file and tell people to yes, sync yes. up the, the stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, pre-YouTube. Uh, it's actually weird seeing commentaries on YouTube because that was not the initial, the initial format, and mm. it's like weird because like they, that this was not how they were made. Um, that they're synced up on their own. It's it's wild. Um, <laughs> Like, here's me, but I never put this on YouTube. Someone else did it. Um, but, um, yeah, anyway, just like, yeah, I, you know, had a decent understanding of content creation and and whatnot, and I was good at the game, and so, sure, go intern, whatever. Uh, that turned into the Champion Spotlights, which did quite well, I would say. Yeah. Uh, seems like a pretty <laughs> good sure. project. Um, yeah, so I have, yeah, a lot of experience doing that. Um, and so, then so the internship was, mm-hmm. was the start of the Champion Spotlight, so that was like... Yeah. So you just came in and... What was what was like the first initial conversations? Like we needed to create um, content. Was your idea? Like how did it how did it all like <laughs> pan out? Yeah, I don't I don't remember exactly because this is you know December of two thousand nine, so you yeah, know yeah. thirteen and a half years ago. <laughs> but um, I yeah I vaguely remember talking about like hey what are the kinds of things that league could do better? Um, you know we cared about esports a little bit. Um, didn't know how big the scene would be, of course. Um, but I, I, like. The only year I remember having, because I had three, one was with Mark Merrill, one was with Director of Community, one was the Director of Marketing. Um, and with with the marketing guy, was talking about, like, yeah, you know, you could use skins to make, like, champions stand out more for esports, like, you could team color them. Um, the example I used was, was Bright Skins from um, Quake 3, where you would, like, force the model colors to be, like, super lime green so it would stand against the background. You should not do that for esports. That's that's horrible. You can't you can't tell any part there. Um, but like you know the idea of you know esports skins and um, uh, like yeah you know creating sort of video content of like how to play and use the champions. And I think he probably put two and two together of this is a new champion marketing kind of thing. 
Um, like the purpose for it, the business purpose is, is new champion marketing. Um, as opposed to just like, yeah, I just want to make videos about champions. Mm. Kind of, you know, like, but I think he understood like, oh, there's actually good here. Um, that, that is useful. So yes, this thing that you threw a dart under the wall and hit, uh, you should make those. Um, and so I learned video editing at, on the job. I think the first one that came out um, actually with the release was like roughly Ezreal. Um, I remember starting on Pantheon or Grog or something when like the champs first came out and it took a lot of fish because scripting and VO editing and just like I just you know you they were literally every, the every single piece spotlights? every single piece of champion spotlights it, for the first like two years every single piece of that was me wow. um, outside of like literally low levels <laughs> in German and French and stuff um, so yeah I would I would capture footage um, I would write a script of like here's how we're gonna describe the abilities um, here's how we're gonna describe the gameplay stuff that we saw here's lessons we're going to teach um, here's the room page we're going to show you and the match page we're going to show you. Um, and then I would edit the footage together. I would edit the script to it. Um, I would like, I would write and be like, okay, you know, Sivir's Q is boomerang play. But it's like, yep, okay, this lines up with, you know, I would just like sort of mumble to myself, like, yep, this lines up with, with the gameplay footage. Okay, cool. Um, all right, I would, I would record in an echoey ass conference room. We had no good audio recording <laughs> spaces or whatever. So they sound really, really bad. Um, yeah. Um, so I did, I did every single piece of those, um, uploading, even uploading to YouTube, uh, even, even that little piece like that and getting all the subtitles in there um, and timestamping them. So we'd get the subtitles back and then I'd have to timestamp them all. Mm. Um, it was important if I, could, if I could already get the timestamps in before I set the subtitles for localization because uh, that way we wouldn't have to copy and paste this, the timestamps into German and French and Polish. They yeah, would just yeah. already be there. Um, so like that was part of the workflow. So make sure, make sure you timestamp it in time. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I could go on with stories about Champ Spotlight, but it's been two and a half hours, so I feel like, you know, I'll have to go for too long in that. <laughs> oh, that's, that's amazing. I, I had no idea that you did all of the work in the beginning. Yep. How, yep. how, how large was the company back then? Like how many people did you um, remember? Probably in like 30 to 40 people, oh, um, damn. in the office, I guess. Um, so the one thing that makes me sad is, uh, so I have an employee ID number. Um, but that ID number counts when I was, uh, counts full time only. Okay. So, uh, I am just over a hundred. Okay. But I joined seven months before, damn it. It should be in the seventies <laughs> or something. So, you know, I'm like sad. Uh, it doesn't, it matters for no reason, right? It's purely in my own head because no one else cares what my employee ID is, but it's just like, oh, I actually joined at like number 52. Um, but instead it's a hundred something. No, uh, no but, I understand yeah. why you want, that's important. Because I also yeah, yeah. like it's those small like it's like I, I play mm -hmm. I play a lot of games on PlayStation and I just I love chasing trophies I like collecting yeah. shit I like yeah. finishing games one hundred percent I feel like this is yeah. in that sphere you know yeah. it's like a it's like a title yeah, of some yeah. sorts you know I, I, I get yeah it. I have a I have a seven digit I have a seven digit Steam ID which like back when I was playing Counter Strike Source was like ah it's seven whatever like six is cool but like that was like eleven digit Steam IDs right or like mm. you know ten or whatever so it's like actually but I was on Steam first. That's pretty sick. Yeah. <laughs> Do you like the challenges system in League? Because I love it. I, I get it's way fun. too distracted by it. Because oh yeah, I mean it's it's just fun seeing little, little stat trackers and whatnot. You know, show off what the what are my coolest trophies. Um, the the friend group uh, that I used to play a lot of League with, a lot of them have kind of turned out for the the short, the recent past whatever. Is like oh, what if we just did challenge runs together and like mm. we played all Freljord champions. That I haven't really gotten back in the League yet. Um, mm. I mean some have stuck around, but some haven't. So it's like okay, well. Uh, but yeah, like th that's just a fun thing to do, right? Like ha having things to look forward to that's not just my LP goes up because your, your LP can't always go up, right? The mm -hmm. game is fair and yes, we can't yes. just inflate ranks forever, right? We can't put everyone in Legend League. Um, you know, there has to be some disparity there. Someone has to be gold and silver and bronze and iron. Um, so having things to work toward that aren't just LP go up, that like 
the number only can go forward, but you can like target what you care about and then display what you care about. Um, like that's that's a good thing, and like challenges are a good thing to do. Like there there's definitely like important service to do there. Um, that yeah, I, like I'm I'm glad you like them because yeah, I think it's a really important system. Oh, I've I've always been very addicted to any like achievement systems. I'm very nice. I, I'm a completionist, which is nice. my. It's also kind of a toxic trait because I can't mm. I can't start games without feeling the need to complete them. Uh, so oh, it's I see. Like, okay. It kind of gnaws at the back of my mind. It's like I start off God of War Ragnarok. I can't put it away. So I'm very careful when <laughs> I'm during busy times. I don't start out mm -hmm. playing new games because I feel the need to complete it uh, for, for some reason. Yeah. And I feel the same about That's the challenges in League. For example, now I played. Mm -hmm. I played. I mentioned before I played the two Aurelian Soul games. And I made sure mm -hmm. that I'm I'm playing these normal games, and I'm inviting people. And I was like, we're make we're doing the Targon, we, we are we're playing nice. Targon champs. <laughs> nice, yeah, that's great. The theming's fun. Uh, no, for sure. Uh, to, yeah. to, to to bring it back to to the beginning of 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 yeah. of, of your time at at Riot, when so so for me, when I felt like League was such a big deal was when back in season two. A lot of the managers, they got some inside information about how Riot is going to make LCS happen, LEC happen. And that was like, that just opened my mind. And I was like, it's no longer this thing where like the top end are streaming and COG are streaming and Hocho Gigi has the viewership and so forth and TSM. Um, this yeah. is my opportunity to, to, to do something. And it really like, yeah. after that, I knew League is going to happen. It's going to be the real deal. I'm going to put all my energy into it. When... Uh, for you, uh, since you, you joined the company, you entered for six months, was there a specific point you were like, holy shit, League of Legends is going to become fucking massive? Uh, a little bit. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know to what degree, but like, I remember like reading positive forum posts about how they enjoyed the game in like <laughs> early 2010. I was like, yeah, cool. People would like the game. That's nice. And it's like reading them out loud to people nearby. Um, I specifically remember... Um, tracking um xfire user data i don't know who xfire was uh, but it was it was like it was like gamer i mean it was discord adjacent right it's like think about what discord does with like its community features like x4 is x4 is kind of like that mm. is it messaging system i think you could do voice chat you could and you could it tracked what you were playing right it was it was it was a gaming oriented you know messaging service um and so it would post its charts of like what are people playing and watching League, like, go from not on the list to, like, number 10, number 9, number 8, and it's like, yo, I woke up today, <laughs> League had one-third the players of Call of Duty. We're up to 10% of World of Warcraft. And it's like, <laughs> we're up to one-third of World of Warcraft. We're up to what? We have more players than World of Warcraft. And it's like, wow! <laughs> like, just, like, watching that ratchet up. Um, like, that, that, was, that was the one time I remember, like, tracking how we're doing. Um, and like watching that that kind of track upwards, um, and then it was like little things like, okay, so at what point is League going to be the generic game people make fun of instead of it being WoW, right? Because mm -hmm. like, oh, people make fun of Call of Duty, they make fun of World of Warcraft, because like, you know, the previous generation it was like WoW was from like what two thousand, I don't know, five to forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, WoW was the big game of my, you know, late teen, young adult years, mm -hmm. um, and now and then into my twenties, the thirties has been League of Legends, and like seeing people switch to Oh, League is the game that non-gamers make fun of because gamers play League of Legends. Or, you know, just gamers in general being like, yes, League of Legends is the game. And it's like, entering the cultural zeitgeist point where, like, everyone knows what League of Legends is. Everyone, not literally, right? But, like, mm. that, like that's, 
wow, you really made it. So it was like, there were like, there were like the two points of like an objective measure of what do people who have XFire installed on their computers play, um, which is of nebulous value, but was like, it was an interesting scoreboard and the best scoreboard we had at the time, um, at least as like, you know, generally just kind of looking at stuff. Mm. Uh, but then also just like seeing the change of like, oh no, League of Legends is just the game that people talk, like, talk about. Um, like that's really cool. And like obviously other like really gigantic games, like, you know, Minecraft is huge and Fortnite is really huge, especially. Um, and so like, okay, maybe it was WoW, then it was League, then it was then it becomes Fortnite, whatever. But like, it was cool to like, be like, oh, that that's the game. Like that's, that's really, that's really weird. It's like, oh, I've, I've been there the entire time. I've been mm. playing it the entire time. I like, I was, I was league player before it was the league player. Um, but like, that's just, that's kind of cool. No, for sure. No, I, I kind of also feel that way, but maybe to a lesser degree, cause I came in a little bit later. Like I started playing mm. in 2010 on the North American server. Cause there was no server in Europe back then. And I've played ever since it's like, I, I, I got hooked on the game and, uh, it's it's been very exciting to just be a part of the the like to to be in a world that is constantly growing and to see like mm -hmm. that unfold like in front of my eyes and for that i feel eternally grateful because it's it's so hard to sometimes predict beforehand which games is going to happen to and which not uh sure. I, I feel like in the context of world of warcraft i think it it was so it was so hyped due to the reputation Blizzard had built up for itself with like Lord of Destruction and Frozen Throne and everything that Blizzard touched at that time was just so amazing. And then World of Warcraft, I remember the ads with Mr. T and all that jazz. And oh yeah, that was that was also like playing those games and 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 seeing that unfold. Like that is, uh, it's it's so hard to like those those experiences. I will never forget. I, I think that yeah. that's uh, truly truly something else. Mm -hmm. And. I, I think also looking at League of Legends, I, I feel so fortunate as well that the World Championship last year was so exciting and yeah. that I still feel love for the game, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I really, really uh, still uh, love League of Legends. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's a great game. Uh, League of Legends is fucking good. I really yeah, like it is. It. It's really cool. I uh, I have this uh, this trend that I always do with, with my guests here is that okay. uh, I ask a question I basically asked the guests to ask a question to my future guests without knowing the guests. Oh, okay. and, and the question that I got, this is a very silly question, but that I have to continue carry on the sure. tradition. The question that I got is, which is your favorite Pokemon? Oh, um, my brain initially went to like the initial three starters of, you know, Bulbasaur, Charizard, um, Wordle. Mm -hmm. um, I think I was always like a Charmander, Charmeleon, Charizard kind of guy. Okay. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's like anything that like supplants that for me. I'm not sure there is. Like I know there's like other legendary Pokemon and stuff. That's cool, whatever. But like I think it's just Charizard. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure my favorite Pokemon is Charizard. I think that's yeah, that's cool. cool. Charizard is 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 gangster. Yeah. I like the yeah, shiny exactly. version of Charizard too. It's 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 I, sick. The, the oh, black version. Actually, of it. sorry. I need I need to I need to take that back because obviously there there is a there is a correct answer um, as in the LCS Spring um, Finals a fan I don't know if it's blurry or not or or whatever no but, I see the um, a fan gave <laughs> yeah the a fan gave uh, me and Azale um, there's actually it's actually Dark Doug Trio and regular Doug Trio so um, as well as uh, Diglett and Dark Diglett so um, yeah we were we were we were given Diglett and Doug Trio cards so. 
Um, you know, if I'm answering as Pokemon, you know, like initially, I think for, for many years it would have been Charizard, but mm. there's just too obvious of an answer here with, with uh, it being, you know, Diglett, Doug Trio, or really the Doug duo, you know, me and Azale, but um, <laughs> it, it kind of has to supplant it. So there you go. It took me too long to get there. I'm sorry, but uh, that's, oh, it's thankfully, I mean, I literally have them on like the, the odds <laughs> of that, by the way, right? Of like, I'm going to ask my next guest the random question. <laughs> I literally have them right here. Is uh, that's a little fortunate. What <laughs> no, am I gonna ask sure. a question that good? Now, now it's it, it the, the the ball passes on to you. Now you need to ask yeah. a question for my future guest, which could be who who knows? I don't have it planned. I know. Yeah. Um. Who's who's your favorite esports player? Not necessarily League of Legends. I mean, if it is, but you know, try try on try on League, but. Uh, I want to know who your favorite esports player is and why. Like, what's your, what's your favorite memory? Like, what what made you a fan of them? Why are they your favorite? Okay, okay, that's a good one. I hope I hope my next guest will be esports related, or maybe not. Oh, it will make it yeah. even more interesting. Yeah, fine. <laughs> if it's not esports, regular sports, right? Or or if if it's not regular sports, like uh, just any kind of celebrity, then that like you know, if it if you read the room, you know, if they're not a gamer, it's mm. like oh okay, here's this, here's here's someone that I admire or I'm a fan of or whatever. Mm. If you looked up like Forbes. 30 on the 30 yep. and they've seen some there you some go play there they something. just pick one <laughs> the big sure. abraham lincoln fans you know um on my end uh, now freak we've been talking for three hours time yeah. is, uh, time has time has um, been flying I, I wanted to ask you is there something that uh, you would like to bring up something that we haven't covered something that uh you know that we've missed or i've missed um i don't know it this is like this is gonna be kind of random and tangential. I don't know. It's it's um it is weird. Uh like this yeah, this is gonna be a tangent, really. Um how how much communities at large, and I understand why, because it's hard to get the amount of like clarity that you're desiring. Um, but like people are very quick to just be like, oh, this organization does X, or like this person does Y. Mm-hmm. Um and you like basically you do never have the like right level of of clarity going on to actually speak this way so for example when you got flack because you weren't banning yumi i was like well actually drafts where we don't ban yumi are better than drafts where we do and this is not to like blame your support player necessarily but it's like oh it's you know it's actually the support's fault because you can't play lulu um eh, you know maybe maybe not or it's actually you know and it's like you, you you don't know enough to to like try to say oh here's what the actual problem was and and yet they'd be like, wow, FedEx so bad, or 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 you know, wow, Yamato so dumb, or mm-hmm. you know, who can we witch hunt or whatever, or like, wow, Riot just loves Yasuo. It's like, who is Riot? Like, who is this Riot that loves Yasuo? <laughs> like, do you want to say the design direction doesn't nerf Yasuo enough? Like, like, like do do any level of of and and we're on the internet where you can just like type things and press enter and it goes up on Twitter or Reddit or whatever. But like the, the amount of of critical thinking just feels very very low where it's like riot is an or- is a corporation like humans make choices right like humans are what makes make the company work period um without humans nothing happens um and so it's like do you want to name a certain person like do you want to mm-hmm. say that you know they're that you know the, the person who sets direction did a bad job do you want to blame a certain designer do you want to blame oversight like i don't know even try getting a single step you know deeper mm-hmm. basically um and then also just like accepting that i mean uh, the ironic thing is even though you can people is the whole team matters i don't think there's a single change um i can take credit for like individually 
where it's like, ah, I did this all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, maybe, j- well, yeah, like I think the closest I can do is I think I pitched Lee Sin buffs for 13.3 mm-hmm. and implemented them, but my change list was iterated on based on feedback I got. So even though I suggested the change and iterated the change and implemented the change, it still wasn't my change. Um, if, if I was a lone dev on League of Legends, it wouldn't be the same buff. Um, and that's like a very small thing where like Lee Sin gained 1.5% win rate. Mm. It's not a very big deal. Um, like, I don't know, overhauling items or adding a preseason or adding a new champion or who knows what. It's like, okay, yeah, you can't possibly know who all the people were who worked on this, but also it was human beings who did something. Mm. You know, like, and, and, and if you're not willing to do some level of the work to figure out who those people were, why are you just like blankly claiming X company or group is bad? You don't even know who those people are. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like uh, using a different example of like, oh, um, who, who are the humans working on Diablo 4? And who are the humans who worked on Diablo 2? Like the humans, like Blizzard, Blizzard Entertainment is making both those games or made both those games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a lot of Diablo 2. I'm looking forward to Diablo 4. I played some of Diablo Same. 3. It was fine. Uh, but like, no, who are the humans who worked on those games? Like, if you're a fan, do you know who those people are at all? <laughs> okay, no, there's a company. The same company's behind them. That's nice. There's, there's, there's a corporation with the same title. Um, but the humans are entirely different. Mm. Or maybe not. I, do you know, right? And it's like, well, the company owns the trademark. It decided to bring the trademark back. And these humans were inspired by the work of Diablo 1, 2, and 3 and, and wanted to follow in those footsteps, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there is lineage, even if the humans aren't the same people. Uh, but, like, as consumers of media, like... If you're gonna if you're gonna trash on stuff, I don't know. The humans are the ones doing the stuff. Like least you could do is figure out who those people are. That, that that's that's like a weird tangent. It's not really well formed, but just like a thought I've had for a while. That there you go. There's my rant. No, I I can I can relate to it. I, I think the first initial example was definitely good because there's so many layers to it. It's like mm-hmm. it could be oh the support player maybe doesn't play a champ, but then it could be maybe tied to practice. Maybe practice was bad because of X things. It's yeah. like we had players that had yeah. COVID. Did we not practice Lulu correctly, and then maybe we just were late because of the meta change. Maybe there was something else. Like there's so many layers to it, and that's mm-hmm. why I always refrain from uh, talking. Like talking bad about any player that I ever worked with, anyone that I work with, because it is so out of context that it is unfair to put my own personal perspective through uh, through that lens where everyone can judge it. It's just completely unfair to the situation because the context is completely lost, and the context is all of these hours that we spend together and work together as Mm -hmm. as humans, as you mentioned, and and everything, every action was filtered through a lot of critical thinking and and yeah. a, a process that we went through as a group so that context yeah. is so important and i think that's yeah. often lost i, I yeah. my impression generally that i think especially in the day of social media i think i think a lot of what people say is just talk it's kind of yeah. like how someone shouts at the tv that the football player made a fucking mm-hmm. big mistake oh he kicked yep. the ball he's terrible sub him out i think a lot of it yeah. is just talk and you kind of have limited understanding and you're trying to yep. force all of the information through that little yep. hole of understanding and it comes out yep. as right games doesn't know what the, what they're doing everything is terrible right. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and it's like and all these conversations is like incredibly service level right so mm. it's it's accepting that like there just there is never going to be any depth here right yes. in, in 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 any like it, what I've, what I've got like followers in fields on Twitter 
And then it's like, oh, so, some PhD is going to post a Twitter thread about, like, something they thought about. I'm like, cool, mm. you actually reasoned out an opinion, and this is interesting to read about. Um, but, like, outside of, like, here's some cute cat pictures, there's not a lot of value on yeah. like, the rest of, like, of, of any other discussion on, like, Twitter or Reddit or whatever, right? It's like, yes, yes. Th- these, are, these are all people with no context um, who are... Who are the weird thing is, it's not like people can't discuss things with no context, right? Like, hey, I don't mind service level discussions on stuff. Like, hey, what game did you enjoy? What movie did you like watching? What TV show did you watch? Like, that's wonderful. It's human conversation. That's great. Like, none of things is deep. But if you're going to be like, yeah, dude, the real problem with Fnatic is it's like, like, as soon as you try to go a level deeper, like, you're probably instantly trolling. Yes, yes. Um, like, it's okay to be like, I liked or didn't like something, or, you know, this looked bad to me, or whatever. Like, that's fine, of course, right? Or, you know, making, making you know, flat quality judgments, like, ah, you know, the CGI on this TV show, like, looks pretty bad. Like, yeah, that's true. But mm. you're like, yeah, they're not paying enough for CGI. It's like, you don't know that. Mm. You don't know what their process was. You don't know how many people worked on it, for how long, what, like, what... Yeah, you could say the result wasn't very good, but as soon as you're like, they didn't pay enough, or they didn't, they rushed it out the door, or or their oversight wasn't strong enough. It's like you have no idea about those things. Like, stop, stop mm. making up causes. That's that's what it, that's the TLDR, right? Is like people make up causes for things instead of accepting that like their view on something is surface level, and that's fine. Just say your surface level thing. Like, mm. hey, that looked bad. The split. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's really so and so's fault because they couldn't sign. It's like you don't know that. Stop. Mm. No, for sure. No, I I think the scariest thing is. I, I've used Reddit for a very long time and reading the League of Legends subreddit on a topic that I know so, so well is yep. very scary in terms of the yep. information I've consumed about topics that I yep. don't know so much. Yeah. That, that, yeah, yeah. that scares Almost the always. shit out of me. Yep. It's like, what You're kind like, of wait, shit Wait, am I trusting opinion? any of this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what kind of shit opinion have yep. I collected somewhere else yep. Yep. <laughs> without yep. just yep. knowing, which is, which is inherently That's scary. scary. Yeah. Because you're always going to be in some kind of echo chamber, right? Like, this is well, welcome to moderation and upvoting and downvoting. Is is every, every every community will eventually trend towards an echo chamber? Like, mm. it, it can't not when you're allowed to just like vote with a majority and it's like, oh, well, dissenting voices just leave, and now those downvoted posts aren't even there anymore. Like, you can't even sort by controversial because they're just they've just left the community entirely. Mm. Um, so like, well. Sorry, like you don't even, you don't even get to see those opinions anymore. So it's like being really really aware of that and, and being identify like what you're actually what you're actually exposed to is pretty valuable. Yeah, I, I guess that must be very strange as well to find the balance as mm-hmm. as a company to to understand what is what is what is the loudest voice and what is the mm-hmm. actual perception of the consumers. Yeah. Like yep. threading that line must must be very difficult. Yeah, uh, Reddit should not be doing virtually anything for like influencing balanced opinions. Like that's nice. You're a very very hardcore audience who's mostly skewed North America. Hmm. Um, well, you are not representative of League of Legends players. Randomized surveys help aggregate player data, like pick rate, ban rate, win rate stuff. Like that's that's useful. That's not going to get you know influenced by Reddit, whatever. Um, it's like you know that finding better ways to get opinions than like who did who posted on Twitter, who's making threads on reddit who's who's streaming on twitch like th- th- there's all better sources than that right so hmm. um okay yeah it, th- there can be some value extracted right there there's some value in having discussion but you know these people who are not ta- thinking about the game for a living in almost any case if they are they're there are other places than on twitter almost always um or if they are it's because they're unemployed and not thinking about that stuff for a living anymore 
right? Uh, they're looking for work. It, someone who wants to hire them to be a coach, and they're mm-hmm. going to talk about their coaching philosophies, but they're clearly not good enough to get hired. So <laughs> their coach philosophies might be bad. Um, this is not subtweeting you or anything else. Yeah. It's just like, you know, like that, that, that might have sounded that's not the goal. Um, but it's like, by definition, in a lot of cases, if you could do it, you'd do it. So maybe, you know, uh, you know, this, this is me with my like design opinions for the last 10 years, but then actually mm. being a game designer is like, I can do it. My opinions aren't all horrible. Mm. Um, but um, that, that's actually what I find really fun is uh, just like move the tangent notes again is like finding um, people who are like making their own games and mm-hmm. then posting videos about it on YouTube. Like there's a guy who does um, uh, like Delta Rune slash Undertale videos. I'd never known this guy before, okay. but he's like, hey, here's a break from the mold. I'm talking about this game I'm designing. And I'm like, this is the first video I've seen of you. This video is great. Mm. I don't care about your Undertale commentary, but you're talking about game design. That's cool. Mm. Um, and like walking through his experience, like making a game. Um, and it's like really actually kind of cool. Um, uh, and it's like that, that's valuable. It's like, cool. You're, you're, you're speaking to your area of expertise. You're making mm-hmm. content where you know what you're like, you're talking about what you have run into and you're not, you're not pretending what other people are doing, right? You're, you're not ascribing values and thought process to other people. You're, you're telling me what you're doing and what you have learned. I'm like, great. Like even, even all the preambles out of the way where it's like, this is not gospel for everything, but here's how your process went. That's really cool. Great. And, you know, if you're a fan of a thing, you, you can never have that, that, that context. It's mm. I'm on that looking in, here's what I've seen. And then as soon as they try to get more than service level, it just gets awkward. No, for sure. I, I, I feel like it's, it's like, I'm, I'm so happy we live in a day where, where passion can be monetized mm. because it's so infectious. Yeah. I, yeah, that's right. I, I, I think that, it's like there's so many valuable sources of information, and sometimes mm-hmm. I go into these rabbit holes. It's like I, I, I'm watching this man uh, do blacksmithing, and I, I don't want to fucking yeah. do blacksmithing, but I nope, can just me either. But it's cool. Just, it's it's cool because you can see see the passion shine through, and yeah. it's very obvious that the man has expertise and has mm-hmm. has a level of proficiency that has a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, tears behind it. And that's so infectious, you know, and I'm, I'm very happy mm-hmm. that that's, that's available. If you look a little bit deeper, you know, uh, for sure. Yeah. And, uh, we, we, we have the access to the world's largest library. It's if you dig a little yep. bit deeper and, yep. uh, there, there's so much uh, good stuff out there. Uh, yeah. I, I think sometimes that's, that was scary about social media, I feel that everything is so skewed towards negative things. And I feel mm, like often, yeah. often, uh, people don't have enough time or they're, they don't have enough skin in the game to make their own opinion. So they just latch on yeah. to what has momentum. And I feel like the negative sure. thing often has momentum because yeah, I think that's true. That's true. You think about how algorithms work with engagement and it's like, yes, yes. Um, yeah, like that's true. I remember uh, in college uh, taking a course, and one of the things I remember learning from it was um, that like attack ads, like negative political ads, um, mm-hmm. have a very strong impact in like biasing votes towards your favor, uh, but they also have an overall impact of lowering total votes. Oh, wow. That, like, in ter- if you want to win, you should attack If you both attack each other, there are less total votes. People just like just don't vote anymore. Hmm. Um, to, you know, again, a degree, obviously people still vote to some degree, but like that, that's, that's how you measure it. It's like, turns out attack ads are good and also bad. Um, <laughs> and right, like they, they influence the most emotions that way. Um, and then, yeah, you know, I don't think, here's the thing is, I think it's totally reasonable to not have opinions and things. If you hmm. don't know enough, that's fine. Just like, eh, no comment, whatever. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, and most of us, we live in democracies where you're asked to vote on stuff. And it's like, well, I haven't researched the candidate very well, but, well, they have this letter next to their name, so it's more likely it's going to agree with what I agree with. Okay, let's move on. Because um, <laughs> you're busy. Um, that's just like, that's how it works. Sorry. Um, you know, how, how long am I spending researching California positions? Not that long. You know, spend a couple hours on the day of like, okay, let's make sure my ballot's good. Okay. I'm spending more of it than the average person. I feel comfortable with this moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then it's like, okay, do you, wa- do you want to spend time researching economics policies? Do you want to spend time researching labor policies? Do you want to spend time thinking about zoning and labor laws and housing and whatnot? It's like, well, maybe, but if you are an expert, then it's not like your duty to, but it's like, if you are an expert, then okay, socialize your expertise or, you know, hope that that can happen somewhere because then you like having experts actually socialize opinions is, is how you actually create change. And that's, you know, try if you can. No, no, for sure. I, I, I can't help but agree. <laughs> uh, I think it's, I always try to challenge it when I, I like, I, I have a humble stream and whenever mm-hmm. I see that people repeat my opinions, but with mm. like in a very surface level way, I always try mm. to challenge them <laughs> just yeah, to sure. try to make my own peace with it somehow, yeah. because yeah. I, I don't want to create, even though it's probably impossible. I, I'm hoping to grow in, in a direction and I, I mm-hmm. understand that there will be a level of someone just taking something that I said and making that their own and then just spreading it without knowing what it is because I've I've had that yeah. interaction from other places but I feel For like sure. that's almost impossible to um, to kind of uh, prevent because I think at mm-hmm. the end of the day everyone wants to feel smart and feel like they know something that no one else does and sure, uh, yeah. they don't want to, they don't have the time to invest and to to really d- deep think about it themselves. Yeah. So they just you know move on uh, with that piece of information. And I can admit that I do that about some topics. Like I listen to some podcasts. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. I'm parroting some shit that I heard there. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, but at I, least you're parroting the expert of an opi- uh, like the opinion of an expert, right? Yes. It's better than parroting <laughs> what you saw on Twitter from some random. For sure, for sure. Okay, okay. That's that's a good note to, to end it on. Yeah, F- good freak. Job. Freak, is, is League of Legends yes. dying? No, of course not. League is great. Thank God. I believe, yeah. I believe League of Legends is great too. Uh, Freak, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, yeah, I for hope, me too. Thank you. I, I hope we can do this uh, again sometime. Maybe after one year of uh, <laughs> of balancing, you know, we can talk yeah, sure. again. Because I feel like we could we could talk for a very long time. But I'm worried that I'm not going to do it justice because I'm holding back <laughs> yawns. And I want to be oh, sure. polite and Thank I don't you. want to be rude. <laughs> 3 a.m. is beginning to clock in. and Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm beginning. I am pretty sure that I'm keeping other people awake in the house. But okay. this has been amazing. Uh, I truly appreciate thanks. Freak. Uh, I wish yeah, you all thanks. the best. Uh, I will you post too. this on, on, on Tuesday somewhere, somewhere there. Uh, I will do the time stones, all the good jazz. Uh, this has been amazing. Thank you very much once again, brother. Thanks. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. Fantastic. <laughs>